everyone. Welcome to Frame Trap. Today I am joined by Michael Huber. Yo. And New York Yankees fan Michael Damiani. What's up, Bronx Bombers, baby? Let's go. Bronx Bombers. <laughs> uh, I am your host. 61 and 61. Ben Moore. Um, and I wanted to, to start this show. We had a lot happen this week. We had a Nintendo Direct. Wait, was that last week? Whatever. <laughs> last week, but with eight. Whatever. No, it's within a week. What? <laughs> Time is a flat circle. The Nintendo Direct. Uh, we've recently had, I guess I should say, the Nintendo Direct. Uh, Sony State of Play and then a Pokemon Presents just happened uh, early this morning. And so kind of with all of these things, you know, I, I think we are charting a course for kind of the first half of the year or or at least partly charting a course. Mm-hmm. And I want to know how you guys are feeling about all those announcements. Anything stand out to you one way or another? Sifu. Sifu hype, dude. I feel like there's always that game in one of these presentations that it's like, I feel like somebody was listening to Huber and like just made that from his words. Yeah. (laughs) Sifu, like, Sifu just very indicative of the state of play. I I think announcement wise, obviously there's like maybe one and then the thing at the end that people were mostly talking about, which the more today went on, the more the insanity like kind of settled in about the FF7 stuff. But beyond that, just it was nice to have those deep dives into every single game they had in state of play. Because while it wasn't didn't make for maybe exciting hype stuff or like reactions, mm-hmm. it was actually really good informative stuff that made me very interested in almost every game they showed off mm-hmm. and felt good about the slate of games coming out in the first half for Sony. Maybe a little bit more so than the Nintendo Direct, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I, I like when... I like when there's new games, new IP announced, new ideas, fresh things to look forward to. But I also mm-hmm. like when that stuff, because I feel like when that stuff is just sort of bundled together on its own, a lot of it kind of gets ignored or kind of uh, just doesn't get as much attention. But when you combine it with, you know, hype stuff like Final Fantasy VII Integrate and, and Yuffie and all of this stuff, I feel like it kind of exposes it to an audience that maybe wouldn't necessarily pay as much attention. Of course, I'm just guessing here, but <laughs> the idea of it is nice. Yeah. Dude, I am... Every freaking time I see Returnal, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I am hyped to just chill out in that creepy-looking house in yeah. between the the <laughs> no. runs, you know? First I'm person. really curious about the narrative, and I like yeah. how they've presented the game so far. I don't feel like they've ruined anything mm-hmm. um but they yeah, still like me. what even is this game in a way you know yeah but i also <laughs> feel like i have a good sense of how it will play which is yeah. which can be hard to do uh with mm-hmm. with some games um man i don't know if you guys saw the pokemon presents but uh did you guys see poke the pokemon legends arceus i yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um so of a mixed reaction out there, it seems like. My quick take is this sounds awesome. This sound mm-hmm. like on paper, it's like kind of a Pokemon of dreams. I am just, and even in the trailer, obviously you see it, right? Like, I don't know that the tech can support what they're, wa- they're wanting to do, or rather, I don't know that Game Freak can support what they're wanting to do. Um, I think about Pokemon Shield and 
the wild areas and that being largely disappointing online. So we'll see. Uh, but I think the ideas that they're chasing after are good, right? Like we've kind of railed against Game Freak mm. and uh, for just kind of regurgitating the same thing over and over yeah. or, or lacking new ideas, I guess is even a better way of, of for sure. putting it. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting see. to see him go that direction. Yeah, it is. It is 2022 for that. Um, but this year, late this year, we've got uh, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl remakes. I actually really like the sort of it's almost like a Link's Awakening esque style that they're using uh, for kind of the the outside of battle exploration and walking around and that sort of thing. And so I think that looks pretty cool. But uh, yeah, if you want are more are more in the moment reactions. We're not going to go into too much depth here on this frame trap. Uh, but if you want to want more in the moment reactions, we have all of that stuff on our YouTube page. We've reacted to to all of these things, the state of play of the Nintendo Direct um, and the Pokemon Presents. That is youtube.com slash easy allies. Uh, but let's talk about a game that that I played a little bit uh, Wednesday nights and then Damiani, you played uh, not that long ago, like an hour or two ago, and that is Ghost <laughs> and Goblins Resurrection. A play might be the wrong way of phrasing it. It might more be like subjected to, the, like suffered yeah. through Ghost and Goblins Resurrection. Yeah, it was actually funny because it was a stream team. It was Brad and Brandon, mm-hmm. and that kind of discussion of all right, so who who's wants to play to for on the stream and stuff? And I asked like Brandon had it, so I'm like. Brandon, uh, are you playing it or do, would you prefer someone else get it? And Brandon's kind of like, oh, I'm really tired. We just like I finished the podcast this morning, blah, blah, blah. And like I'd really prefer just to like watch and relax. I'm like, all right. And then like didn't get a reply from Brad in time. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'm playing it. Yeah. So, as soon as they start streaming, they're both like, oh, thanks, Damiani, for playing. We can't wait to watch you die. <laughs> Jones is just like, hey, hey, thank you for doing work right now, Damiani. Yeah. <laughs> How like, many deaths? Oh. Uh, I think on the f- so here's the thing. I tried starting on. So chat asked me to start on the second hardest. That's night. not legend. That's night. night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they asked me to start on night because they said that would be the best on stream sighting. Everyone watching, they kept saying they watched Max die over two, <laughs> Max Million Dude die over I was two times that too, on the yeah. first level. Yeah. And it, it, while it was fun and entertaining, he was losing his mind. And they're like, yeah. you're going to lose your mind. Try that. And then we got to a certain point, And then I started using the flag thing. Like not going back to the start. Well, yeah, yeah, the, option. The, the the revival banner or whatever it's called. And then yeah. like we, I, I lowered. So I didn't fully understand how far it was lowering difficulty at points because at one point I did choose to lower the difficulty just for the sake of progression because we only had two hours. I'm like, yeah. I don't know if you guys want to watch us dying like 50 times in the same part. Mm-hmm. And I thought it bumped it down to a lower difficulty. And at one point, Chet was like, "You're at the lowest difficulty," but then. I died enough and it asked me to lower it again. I'm like, so wait, there's a fifth difficulty? I was so confused. You can that just part keep lowering a, it until, until I was it like, like the, morphs into a different yeah. game on your like, I, 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 The mechanic makes perfect sense. I just didn't fully – like it didn't say visually like you've lowered to whatever the mm. lower two difficulties are. Right. So that would have been nice. What game is that? Yeah, where you die a bunch of times and it gives you like an, a hidden like easier one? Oh, that, I mean, there's a bunch of games yeah. that that do it. Like Devil May yeah. Cry, infamously, Devil like, May Cry. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. would would you yep. like to select yep. easy? Like easy mode is now unlocked. Yeah, yeah. Shout oh, out man. to the uh, <laughs> best friends play crew. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm curious though, Ben. Like, yeah, you say like subjected to it. It's mm-hmm. uh, 
This is the this is the definition. This the they should rename this game Trial and Error. The game it is the most trial and error game because every single mm-hmm. like step you take, there's potentially something purposely put there to mess with you to kill you. Right, and you're just like, what? Like, you, I, I cleared this part. Yay! Next part, uh, something kills you. Me, like, come on, give me like one second to breathe. Yeah, it does not. It's relentless. Um, so I went into this game like. I know Ghosts and Goblins. I know how hard it is. Mm-hmm. But there was something, I don't know if it was the art style or if just the fact that there was selectable difficulties. I was like, I'm sure it's going to be hard, but like pretty manageable. And so I started on the night difficulty. And I was like, at first I was like, yep, this is about what I, oh, oh my God, oh my God. Like it just kept escalating. And um, it's funny because pre-release, I was pretty, like, whatever on the art style. Uh, but I think actually sitting down and playing with it and getting uh, more familiar with it, it, it grew on me quite a bit. I really like the storybook style. And even when you begin the game, the way it, like, sort of is drawing mm-hmm. everything in, sketching everything in. Really cool, uh, yeah. It looks looks pretty awesome. Uh, I also did Night. I, I started on the Night difficulty and I was like, oh, wow, this is, again, like, first impressions versus, like, a few minutes later. Um, I was like, oh, you could take three hits? That's not That's not very, it's two hits? That's the thing. You need those three hits, man. Like, <laughs> you need those three hits, you need those <laughs> checkpoints. And kind of what you were saying about trial and error, Damiani, I mean, like, things just kind of, like, pop up out of nowhere or... Like, you look at your screen, and if you were to pause it, it's like, okay, everything on this screen can kill me. Like, there's just so many enemies, there's so many projectiles, uh, there's all of this stuff. And you really do, like, there's there's definitely moments, I feel like, where you won't know what to do unless you've already been through it. Like, oh, these gravestones can kill me, or like, oh, these branches will disappear and I could fall to my death. Um, with all that being said... I do think the game does a good job of being extremely evocative of, you know, classic ghosts and goblins while doing some new things. Like the, the boss fight at the end of the first level uh, was a lot more elaborate than, than I was expecting. Yeah. That, uh, cause it's funny because the first level on the NES version to me that boss is easy as heck mm-hmm. as long as you have like the right weapon when exactly, you get there. Exactly. And it starts off the same, but then he jumps. I'm like, okay, uh, it's a quick dive down jump. So, all right, you got to wait and then move. And then he interacts with like the background layer. And now yep. you can't hit him except when he peeks his head out and he's trying to bash you with this freaking tree branch or just a tree trunk. Sorry. And it was just way, they were doing a lot more with that than it felt like it was keeping to the spirit of the original and also keeping up the difficulty during the boss fights. And I got to see the next two bosses and yeah, they, uh, <laughs> they do some nasty things. I'll just say that very, very frustrating stuff. It's awesome. funny because I refused to lower the difficulty. Mm-hmm. And so I was just beating my head against it and dying over <laughs> and over and over again. And then I finally got through the first level um, but then the thing that was like, I don't even want to move on yet. I just want to keep playing the first level is you collect mm. these, they almost look like fairies basically from the legend of Zelda. Uh, but you collect these like fairy looking things and it'll tell you how many is in a stage. And then you have this, 
skill tree, basically. Hmm. And you can kind of go multiple ways throughout it. And by investing points in that skill tree, you get spells that you can use in the level or like passive abilities, like being able to equip more than one weapon, which if you've ever been straddled with that stupid fucking torch, uh, you know that you want more than one weapon available. Do you have to beat the level to be able to use the... No, you don't. Because I I actually restarted and I was like, I want to see what legend is like. Nice. And then I quit back out to the main menu and it was like it, the the same prompt came up where it's like, hey, you can spend these things. So I don't I don't Ooh. think you do. Yeah, that torch weapon actually came in handy on the first boss. I was surprised. Yeah. It was good. Hubert, mm-hmm. I don't remember if this is in, I don't think this is in the original game or if they did, they reimagine it. There's a there's a hammer weapon. Mm-hmm. This hammer thing is amazing. Like you go like one shot thing to the heads and stuff. It's also like, really good it, against the boss. Yeah. Awesome. And it you and it like does like a little like projectile like i don't know if it's like the wind or a beam type attack like a curved beam that goes out it was so like as soon as i got it chat was just going nuts saying like oh they're like they put huber bait in here and i was like (laughs) it it was fun though like it did change the dynamic even that like a spinning weapon with like the spikes on it it, because you can throw in four directions you can throw up back forward and then when you jump you can throw down but if you crouch throw those ones they actually hug the surface Mm. and if the surface curves down they go down the slope and stuff so you can't yeah it's a they all have their weird quirks and nuances which is kind of nice it's so funny i mean because i tuned into the stream and i saw you have that like spiked ball weapon and (laughs) i got everything but that like when i was playing i i i don't I guess that's just how RNG goes, but I just like didn't get that weapon. Um, I do feel like, and maybe it's just my memory playing tricks on me, but I, I do feel like the it's easier to make a case for the weapons, like each individual weapon a little bit more, whereas I feel like Ghosts and Goblins, it's like you just want the dagger, like Love always. The dagger. And the, the dagger's split, really good here. Um, but... I don't know. I, I felt like you could kind of make a case for it. Like you were talking about even the flame, which I feel like is can be awful in certain situations. You're like, it's really against the boss. Yeah. So. It, I feel I obviously I don't know how far the end of like beating third level. I, we saw the start of the fourth level. We didn't, I didn't actually play it. So we saw what it was going to be. But there definitely were situations each level that like the the dagger was clearly at a disadvantage. Hmm. There's a part where you're going these stone dragons. Oh, this part was such a freaking troll part. I hated this part. And uh, you're, always, you're you're having to like ride them around and like they spin. So you got to like walk up them. Then you get dropped down to a lower one below you and they mm-hmm. keep curving. And enemies start coming at you side to side. And th- there's a bow weapon you can get that shoots out at angles. And it's like way better to have that at that part to take them out. Where you can just be stationary shooting where if you try and jump with the dagger, momentum's going on. So you're moving forward, you jump. It like you like air resistance uh, like pushes you back and yeah. you might fall off. Or if you're trying to make a jump and an enemy shows up, like you might mistime it and overshoot really easy. Like they 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 <sighs> I clearly took this stuff into account to make it as much of a painful experience as they could. Oh my god, D- dude! Just I feel like so much of the difficulty just comes from dealing with that jump, like learning right. how to deal with like the That's the kind the of like yeah exactly exactly yeah. dealing with the clunkiness of that jump mm-hmm. um that it's like that heavy just yes kinda... well and it's it's <sighs> it's like slow enough that you yeah. will have those moments where you're like 
I fucked up. And like you, you yep. just, as you're floating in the air, you're like, well, it's over for me. But just like getting that perfect landing and like jumping again, just like getting in that perfect rhythm is so fun. Um, oh. Damiani, maybe you can answer this for me, but in the original, when Firebrand shows up, like you can kill him and it's not like that hard. Whereas here, yeah, I was, was I was trying to kill Firebrand and he just wouldn't get hit. He just wouldn't get hit. How do I hit him? What the hell? Did you figure? So it was really annoying because in the original version, you can you can basically you can bait him to charge at you on ground level, and you just you spam your attack while he does it, and you just jump vertically. Don't jump forward. Don't jump up. And he'll go under you and then come back up on his arc. That's how I always did against firebrands in the NES. I never had a problem with them. This one, yeah, like you start it like specifically reacts to every kind of movement. You cannot like hit it. That's why the bow weapon. I didn't have it against the bow weapon would have been perfect mm. against that because you can shoot it two at an angle. And you're like you're not dodging both those, bud. And then he when he charges you, he can either charge low or charge like mid air. And you can't, I couldn't tell. So sometimes, oh, I'm just going to jump. Nope, I'm in midair. He got me in midair. Bam, you got hit. Sorry, <laughs> bud. I was like, this is so cheap. Come well, on. <laughs> and it's not like you just encounter him and then he's like immediately gone. You're like yeah. trying to platform over other things and deal. <laughs> yeah, it's. I was like off screen to the right doing these platforms. And like they pushed me up. The sand like this geyser pushed me into the air. And he comes like racing across the air and goes bam and knocks me off it's like okay Capcom I, <laughs> leave me alone please this, it, it has to be like one of the most humbling video game experiences I've had in a long time like it just bitch slaps you so it hard makes, <laughs> I felt like I didn't know how to play video games yeah like, come on what is this crap like and I'm sure it you know, it's just memory, but I'm like, man, I feel like OG Ghost of Goblins was not this hard. Like, this feels even, even harder. Yeah. But Ghouls and Ghosts or Super Ghouls and Ghosts took me a, like a week. Mm. Like, I was just grinding it out, like four or five days in college. Just like one of those games I feel like where you just need to, it was like Sekiro in a way where it's like you need to sit down and just like get in a different mind state of like not doing anything else, that nothing exists except me and this game, and I'm going to beat it. I, yeah, you have to, and I, I got this way with Sekiro as well, so it's interesting that you bring that up, where you just, you just, you shut off your brain, yeah. and you just grind. Like, it is, grind. it is, it's a grind. it is, you grind raw, it out. where you have to be like, I am going to put a bunch of time into not mm -hmm. going anywhere, and it's going to be like, yeah. super incremental. Exactly. Uh, yes. Yeah, learning that type of dance, yeah. I guess, yeah. This back in the day, I think when this is all you had, there was no alternative. There weren't other styles of games out mm -hmm. there, really. It was more acceptable. This type this type of progression, I think, is more favorable in a group environment, like MMOs or like Monster Hunter, something mm -hmm. where you're doing the same song and dance over and over to learn the patterns, but you're with other people. There's communication. There's socialization going on. You can lean on each other. It, mm -hmm. it, it has that human angle, I think, that makes it more bearable, where this is truly like, I mean, this is an isolated solo experience. Although there's two-player co-op, I don't know if it's local. And yeah, I don't know I if it's that. alternating or not. I saw that. I, I, yeah, like so if there's a way out. to play someone else in, at the same time, that might be the answer. That might Yo. be the fun. But if not, this is what's so frustrating to me with these games. Like, I, I, I appreciate they exist, and people who like this, I'm glad they still make games for you. Mm -hmm. But I would rather do this type of short but brutal difficulty 
with other people helping to shoulder or some of the like bearing the brunt of responsibility totally. with me. So it's like, hey, this is a nice shared experience. We can laugh about it when we're all done. People can joke about it. Like, actually doing stream team was good because while I was getting frustrated parts, like having Brad laugh, like I got past a really hard part and there's a checkpoint straight ahead. I'm flying on this dragon and I don't real, I can't tell that's the background or the foreground ahead of me. So I'm like, oh, we're just gonna run into the checkpoint. It's a solid wall that knocks me off and I die mm. after doing all this work. <laughs> and Brad just dies of laughter. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, Okay, yeah, that was funny. I get it. That is the so, yeah. That is the most hip- heartbreaking thing when you see the <laughs> checkpoint and then you die and you're like, I can't respawn right there. But oh. we do, we do, we do talk about difficulty a lot, and you know, I've I've not played a lot of it yet, but I, so far, I'm kind of amazed that this game exists because, like, there's there's little things that even when you're fighting the boss, right? You'll die. And depending on what phase of the boss you're at, it'll be like, oh, you're halfway there or, you know, you're almost there. Like, keep this in mind. And it'll still be really hard, but it'll kind of give you like that that pat on the back. Um, it reminds me of Cuphead when you would hmm. be doing a boss and yeah. then it's like you got yeah. this far and it could, you know, it could be motivation or heartbreak, depending on how close you got. But um, <laughs> it's... It's the kind of game where I feel like it will be challenging and rewarding, but you get to decide where that threshold is for you. And I think that's what's mm-hmm. important. It's it's not I, I I it's like, oh, this this feels satisfying to me without like completely trivializing it. I haven't done all of the difficulties, but it's just yeah. the impression that I got. I, yeah, that's that's very well said. I will also say this the design of this game is also old school bullshit. It, it mm-hmm. is old school bullshit, which is like meant to be like a quarter cr- like muncher essentially. Mm-hmm. I like game like you mentioned Cuphead, which is great because it's the same kind of a difficulty. You're gonna die a lot, but like as you, pro- it's more that you just need to see the patterns, see the patterns, maybe see which like combo weapon or what up like power up you want to use. It, it felt like fair progression. I was learning and being taught how to do things. And I felt like my reward for understanding and, and taking advantage of that was you got further now mm. where this mm-hmm. just constantly throws random bullshit at you that like you cannot be prepared for <laughs> nothing in the game is going to teach you other. Even if you try and go slow, there's gonna be something stupid that happens that kills you. And that's the nature of the game. And it's like, th- like uh, while I see the comparisons to me, that's the biggest difference between something like this and Cuphead. Why I love Cuphead a lot and will absolutely go back to a sequel for that game over a sequel to this, the ghost and goblins. Mm-hmm. Like, nah, I've had my fill of ghost and goblins yeah. for a probably a lifetime but man bring on like a cuphead sick i'll di- i'd go through another boss gauntlet in a heartbeat um i think about when you talk about just the the crazy bullshit i think about in the first level where you're walking around on the branches and all of a sudden like two vines start growing and you're like wait where are they going what the, what how and, and like I, it's just a moment of total helplessness uh in a way do the new skills help at all alleviate that difficulty? So, Hubert, that's that's kind of like where I'm at right now. The idea mm-hmm. of it is really interesting to me, but I didn't even get all the collectibles in the first level. So the idea of being like, okay, it's going to take extra work, but maybe that extra work will pay yeah. off is Sounds really awesome. appealing to me. And I love that idea. Mm-hmm. I haven't experienced enough to be like, oh, yeah, this definitely pays off. But theoretically, I think it's a cool idea. Do you know what 
the skill tree has or is it like yeah. grayed out no like you what's can the best? You, you can see every single what's thing like on the there. best what are the what are the top ones uh besides carrying two weapons you have like a a fire and a thunder ability so you can make two flames in front and back of you yeah you can make them taller and wider just three upgrades of that nice. there's a four-way lightning shot you can do that gets wider and does more so direction like special moves uh you have an ability to auto res uh and it, it has multiple upgrades that like increases the chance that you like just get your back then there's an armor rebuilding ability that will either give you back all your armor if you lose it yeah. or if you're fully armored will give you like the super armor super clutch just I mean, some of the examples changing. i there's mean the one you'd love the boulder rolling you can turn yourself into a boulder and roll over enemies it's it's funny though because those sound so strong and powerful but then you guys saying that it's even harder than the original seems to like balance that out yeah it's I'm, like yeah you have more skills you have more skills at your disposal but like so do the enemies <laughs> I'm, I'm currently in the process of <laughs> reviewing bravely default 2 but even just dipping my toes into ghost of goblins resurrection i was like i felt that urge you know to be like I want to unlock this. I want to like strategize. I want to figure mm -hmm. out what that thing is going to do. And I, I loved having that feeling because I think it it alleviated the like, shit, I just died 25 times. Yeah, you know? yeah. redo it, redo <laughs> but, it, redo yeah. it. Yeah. Even the special powers have bullshit to them as well. The two torch thing, I was on like, it, it, they can fall off platforms. So if you spawn it and, you, and mm. the flame goes off the platform, it just falls off. It just dropped. It didn't like stay at your side. I'm like, huh. I'm like, are you shitting me? Can you me? only they use the powers off? once per life? I think, or I don't know if it's once per life or it's one. I, I definitely used it more than once at one point, but it's on a cooldown. Okay. It likes, it's like a piece of sp spell parchment and yeah. it crumples up and it starts uncrumpling. And gotcha. I think you just got to wait for the cooldown. Nice. Yeah, Huber, I'd be, I, I'd be really interested to, uh, know your thoughts on it yeah i got I it installed <laughs> um but yet haven't cracked the seal <laughs> but like i just mentioned i've been uh i started bravely default 2 nice um really liked the first bravely default quite a bit and so i was excited to check this out i was disappointed like it and it's this is just the nature of the beast but like all oh, these people are posting their bravely default 2 reviews and it's like yeah we just didn't just didn't get it <laughs> So we'll have to be much slower than everybody else. And that's that's just the way it goes. Um, and so I haven't put a lot of time into it. But I think the way that I can sum up my experience so far is this is like the epitome of JRPG comfort food. And I think if you're in the mood for it and you like that style of game, it might be hitting you the way that it's kind of hitting me right now, where I've been kind of in a JRPG mood and, and hungry for that style where I'm like, I love job systems. I just want to level up jobs. I want to experiment. I want to assign different passive skills to my character. I just, I just want to grind it out and get rolling hills, going to towns. Yeah. Doing going into quests. shops. Yeah. And it's it, getting some items, dude, economy. It, I mean, <laughs> a, a lot of what I'm saying has already been said about Brave of the Fault and is pretty obvious on the face of it, but I think it's worth reiterating because there's, there's really no better way to describe it. It's like <laughs> you wake up on a beach, right? You meet this princess. She's like, Hey, we got to get these crystals back. Otherwise the calamity's going to happen. And you're like, did a final fantasy algorithm write this story? Like this is, this is, it's, it's just like, 
so overtly familiar that it's comforting, right? And uh, you're, you're going around the overworld. Um, and much like Brave Little Fault in the Past, it's like nice that you can increase battle speed and like easily avoid um, random encounters and stuff like that. Um, and I think the style of the game... I definitely did not like at first, uh, but I think mm. now that I've played more of it, I think sort of the almost like clay-esque, statue-esque style of the game really blends well with how familiar it is and how how like classic JRPG it is. Um, and depending, I guess, on how familiar you are with the genre, like so far, right, like nothing, nothing has surprised me at at all <laughs> like like you go in the dungeon and it's like okay you know it's this 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 grid-like labyrinth and there are treasure chests to find and some monsters. rat monsters yeah yeah some rock you monsters got some, you got some goblins you got you got like a, a suit of armor attacking you like all of these things but i just i feel like i immediately fell into a groove with it and something i will say to brave the default 2's credit is Sometimes I feel like to get to the meat of a JRPG, it's just it's just unbearable. Like it just it takes way too fucking long, and I would not say that Brave the Default Two necessarily has a fast pace. I wouldn't go that far, but I would say like fairly quickly, it's like oh, I've got multiple party members to interact with and deal with and and learn about, um, and because of that, I have multiple jobs that I can experiment with and learn and get new skills. And, and as somebody who really likes the dopamine rush of getting new skills for your job, having access to that pretty quickly, being kicked out into the overworld pretty quick, quickly, and messing with all that stuff, and then getting into the first dungeon pretty quickly, all of that was was super cool. I liked it a lot. Um, nice. And honestly, like if you're not that familiar with JRPGs, I think this is a really good one to start with. Um, because... A lot of what it's taking inspiration from is coming from, you know, well-known classics of the genre. But it really walks you through everything uh, in a pretty straightforward manner. Like, you're going through the first dungeon and you just have this party member that you can't control. He's just a guest. And he'll do things like automatically revive your team and, like, just do a bunch of damage to one big enemy. And so it's like, oh, okay, like... If you're new and you, you haven't done this before, he's like kind of covering up or lessening some of your mistakes that you would make. And so that gives you more room to experiment, right? And try things out and not be so afraid. So that stuff is nice as well. And I feel like they they go through all of the mechanics uh, pretty pretty well, right? Like, I guess the Bravely system and the default system like might be a little bit uncomfortable if you're not familiar with it. Um, Brave is when you basically cash in a bunch of points to attack a whole bunch. But mm -hmm. if you do that right away, you won't be able to act for several turns. So you can default uh, and kind of build up points. So when you do cash in, you can still act uh, the next turn. Is that similar to Bravely Default 1? Has that been changed at all, Ben? Uh, the battle system, it's been so... I'm so hesitant to say because it's been so long since I played through Bravely Default 1 um, that I'm like... I don't want to say definitively that there's nothing to you because there probably is, but boy, it sure feels exactly like it, it feels mm. exactly like my memory of nice. Bravely Default One. Yeah. Cool. 
yeah, yeah. And you're you're saying about the art style because like the first one, Bravely Default, like you know me with handhelds, you know yeah. I don't play I don't play that many. I'm pretty picky when it comes to that. But like that art style when the original came out mm-hmm. was just so jaw dropping. I jaw dropping like it, yeah. it grabbed me. I had to play this game. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, that and then you were saying though that two you didn't like it at first, but then now you're kind of I'm warming growing. up to it. I I, yeah. I don't think I can give it like the uh, full throated endorsement that I could give like Brave Little Fault One, um, in the same way because at the time I, I was also very impressed with how it looked. Um, but. It's funny because it's like, I like the style that you're going for, and I feel like this is kind of a recurring theme on Switch for me, where it's just like, I just wish this looked better. Like, I just wish this was a better looking mm-hmm. game. Um, you know, I, I, I wish, like, the textures were better. I wish it had anti-aliasing. Like, I just I just wish it had this, this stuff, you know, that I, I think especially now that the PS5 and Xbox Series X are out. Like, playing a big RPG like this, it's just like, I want it to look as good as it possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the way that it's stylized does help or hurt it, depending on your opinion. I've definitely seen a ton of opinions that absolutely hate the style. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it feels like people were, were writing it off, whereas the yeah. first one obviously had so much hype. Kind of similar to, I feel like, uh, Octopath and Project Triangle. I don't Those kind of have that 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 the visual hype, you know, when yeah. when Octopath came out, everyone was like, "Look at that! Oh my god, we'll play that." Yeah, it's weird because I think with um, Project Triangle and Octopath, like you were mentioning, it felt like they were doing a really captivating style um, that worked within the limitations of the hardware, right? Whereas mm-hmm. this, I feel like, is trying to go for what could potentially be a cool style, but like can't really pull it off. Um, <laughs> And so I, I totally sympathize and understand with anybody that's like, yeah, I just, these characters freak me out. Like, I, I, I get that. Um, Damiani, it seemed like you had a question or something you wanted to say, rather. Uh, I, I, yeah, I guess, like, because I've only played, I only played the first demo, the original demo that they put out. Yeah. And it, it was uh, when you were in, like, in the town, a very zoomed out look. Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't know... To me, that didn't look the best either. Uh-huh. Uh, I liked it. The, and like the overall map was like, okay. And then like in the dungeons, I felt like that was okay. But it was the like when you were in battle, that's where it looked the like it was trying. Like the style came out the most. Yeah. I know the final version so far is doing a better job in either like the overworld or in the town sequences. Is it like, do they do any extra work there? Or is it still kind of, or do you, do you disagree with my assessment there no i really i really don't i i actually the only thing i probably disagree with is i actually like when it you zoom in and out of the town i i do like that uh sort of picturesque thing that they do but as far as the overworld it really the overworld is so far right again take take all this with a grain of salt i'm sure my opinions will evolve uh over time but the overworld has some good ideas where like you sort of Zelda style uh, can there's tall grass and you can cut the grass and you can find stuff. Right. And so there's this side quest, which is really just a tutorial where this talking monster is like, Hey, find this ring that I lost. And you cut the grass and you look for it and you will get different things. Like you cut the grass and you might get a potion or you might get a little bit of money. And like, that's a really good idea, but 
after a while you're like i'm just kind of sick of cutting grass like it's not worth the effort that i'm putting into it and so like i just wish the world was a little bit more interesting or like this is a cool idea to make me like want to dig around a little bit more but I, I just wish there was more to it. And so, and of course, you know, classic JRPG style, there are red treasure chests to find uh, throughout the world map. But they're like, because the overworld is like so flat and so obvious, it's like, yeah, there's a treasure chest just like up there. I'm just going to go run up there and I'll grab it. <laughs> and I'm sure there are instances where it's trickier than that. But I think in this day and age, right, where we do interact with so many intricate and, and complex worlds. Like you, you wish there was just a little bit more to it, or you felt like you were, you had to be a little bit more clever to figure things out. Like, like that next step, right? It's like, yes, there are, there's, it's good that there are treasure chests here and they're fun to find, but I feel like we've moved maybe like a little bit beyond the simplicity of this. Um, but at, yeah. this, at the same time, you know, this is in so many ways a throwback that it it certainly tickles the the nostalgia sensors in your brain to the point where, like, because so much of it is like that, uh, you might be more forgiving of it, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Traditional. I, yeah, it's I'm, very traditional. I'm very curious about job balance. Mm. And I, I obviously you haven't finished the game and stuff like mm. that, but... One of the things I'm most curious about in games that allow you so much flexibility with changing different jobs is in boss encounters specifically right. is does it feel like does it, did it ever feel like so far that you came across a boss where, man, I feel like I'm a bit at a disadvantage, dis, a bit of a disadvantage because of my party comp right now? Or does it always kind of feel like you have a fair shot at everything you've come across? That That's always my concern with yeah. games that tout so many different jobs. Yeah, Damiana, that's a really interesting question to unpack. I can't, I have not played nearly enough in the full okay. game to remotely answer the question. I can speak to the demo, though, where I thought the demo was pretty challenging. Like, you couldn't just sleep through it. Like, you really had to have an understanding of what your skills did, grind things out, yada, yada, yada. I can't say that that will be indicative of the full game. But I think when it comes to job systems, I don't know that I want it to be perfectly balanced. You know what I mean? Like, I think part of the fun is figuring out how much you can break it. I, I think that is that is sort of the magic of job systems. It's not like, all right, what's what's the way to go? It's like how if I combine this thing with that thing, mm -hmm. will it break this yeah. thing? I want to be rewarded for that. Yeah, for sure. yeah. And, and so I think I think you you want to have enough flexibility in the experimentation where um you can kind of get to that point. But I think on the other side of that, you don't want to like early on be like, yep, I've got my white mage. I've got my black mage. I've got my thief. I've got my warrior. I never need anything else, you know? And so you down the line, when you get crazier jobs, you don't, you don't want to experiment them with them or you don't want to mix things up or change things. I think if you run into that problem, um, that's bad. So the game needs to incentivize you to, constantly yeah. change i guess or experiment and you kind of have that with the sub job system right so you have a main job which you're leveling up and learning skills but and this is not something you have to unlock like this is pretty much there right away which again is very nice uh you have a sub job system where if you've leveled up another job you can make that it's 
It's uh, your sub job and you can use the skills from that job. You're limited by the stats of your main job, but again, you still are getting some benefit from putting points into uh, you know, what came before. And so it's not like all that work you did is necessarily out the window and allows for you know, even more customization outside of the main jobs. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so hard. And it's one of those things where I'm, I'm evaluating it. And I think it's like, it's just what I want right now. And so I think that is kind of maybe earning more goodwill from me than, than maybe it deserves. Um, but I'm interested I'm, to see, uh, how it, how it progresses. Ben, I'm picturing you in like a pool like one of those inner tubes yeah in a pool with your switch yeah playing this i didn't your shades that. are on shades are on by the way i didn't do that um <laughs> the pool in our apartment complex is closed but uh, i was laying in bed with my switch light just going through it um and so that was pretty good uh another thing that i just really quickly want to shout out um so I started the game uh, with English voices and then I switched them to Japanese voices. And sometimes in games, when you switch to Japanese voices, you have to like completely quit out of the game and then come back mm. in. You don't have to do that here. Nice. Uh, you just switch and it's there. I believe Persona 5 Strikers does that as well. And I just always appreciate that. Um, Hell yeah. So nice. Yeah. Multiple audio languages. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to... To play more of that, Huber, you've been getting, along with Ian and Don, obsessed with Valheim, which has been getting a ton of hype. Yeah. Zeitgeist, dude. Zeitgeist. <laughs> this this feels like, so far, the first Zeitgeist of 2021. I don't know if that's fair to yeah. say or not, but... Seems like it. Yeah. Yeah, because I thought Hitman would have gone on a little longer. There was, there was the Hitman hype, I feel like, was one of the Man. biggest... That's but that's it, what it kind of came in. I feel like yeah, it kind of came and went a little quicker than I than I thought it would. Uh, but Valheim, Valheim, Valheim. I don't know, whichever you prefer. So Huber, are the, sorry, I, I I'm cutting you off, but I I just have to say, despite mm-hmm. the zeitgeist, I've been really hesitant to purchase this game and, and okay. spend any amount of time with it. Not because I believe it's bad. I don't believe that you're at nervous. All. No, no, no. It's just. To be, it's like it's i remember when blood and ian and brandon were like man we're really into grounded i was yeah. like yeah it was fun this is just not my type of game like i had yeah. no ill will towards it it's just yeah. that sort of like gathering and, and surviving and, and and building stuff it's not mm-hmm. that i don't enjoy them or see the value it's just super not my thing it just is yeah yeah totally ben this is the one though where I feel like if you're not into that, you'll be into this one. Okay. Because it gets rid of a lot of BS. So the first right out of the starting starting out, food and and drink, which is such a big part of the survival genre, you know, mm-hmm. it usually kills you if you don't eat or drink enough. This food and drink is just for your buffs. So you get stronger. Okay. So you just like, you know, get some meat, some berries eat it and then now instead of 25 health you have 80 health how long do those buffs last a good amount and there's berries all over the place hunting is a little tough you know you got to get a bow got to make some arrows and then gotta gotta track a deer to take it out then you gotta like cook it on a fire um 
and like mixing and matching your foods can give you better benefits but it's just all so intuitive it's all so self-explanatory like you just kind of know what to do and Mm. granted I've primarily played with Ian and Don and Sophia and their friend Jack you know who have it's strength in numbers just like real life it's like we have now we have resources now we have people fanning out on this island yeah doing different tasks gathering wood gathering min- like ore and minerals um so yeah it just it's such a great co-op game it's really easy to sync up and play together and there's just not a lot of bs you know it's it's very forgiving mm. but still but still like challenging and hardcore you know you still have to build and gather and and hunt and and dying can be pretty brutal because when you die your body will be left in the spot which can be pretty far away you know if you run away from shelter for a long time far hike uh and you lose five to ten percent of your skill points oh wow which is the which is the most brutal and skill points is like morrowind ben where it's like jump your jump goes up sprint your sprint goes up the more you the more lumber you you know the more trees you chop your Mm -hmm. wood cutting goes up stuff like that uh so those those skills take a hit when you die but other than that just pretty forgiving forgiving game and just enough direction also to uh to guide you you know the the first one is summon this ikthyr deer and kill it but be prepared you know you're in for a fight so the first your first goal is really to like all right i need to make some leather armor you know hunt mm. some deer get you know first first armor upgrades kill the deer after you kill the deer you get sent to another island to kill another boss and so on and so yeah far. so that was the thing yeah. that i heard about valheim that was the most intriguing to me was sort of this progression through bosses mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just you know surviving and yeah um I guess, like, how challenging are the bosses? Like, how quickly are you going from one to the next to the next? We we over prepared for the first one. Okay, so I feel like that's just, natural. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we cornered this thing. It's this big stag. You know, we were on multiple sides. We had multiple types of weapons. You know, we were trying to kite it. Like, it's very. It's <laughs> playing it is very MMO. Like this game feels really Mm. feels like an mmo you can take your character with you to any uh you know generated game world you keep the clothes on your back and the skills you have um but yeah we were over prepared for the first one but some enemies can be tough you know we set up camp right out of a right outside of a cave and there was a troll inside the cave and the troll can't come out just because of the game limitations, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like it's in the cave. Right. But we wanted to explore this cave. So we kept going in trying to kill it and like fighting a cornered cave in its own or finding a cornered troll in its own cave in like a tight space. Bad idea. It's just like whacking us around, kill, yeah. killing us. We're trying to go in and kill it. Um, and it was pretty intense. So so the difficulty can sneak up on you. Um, but but the, yeah man there's just so many stories like that ben where you're just like grouping together these like campfire stories yeah like you you make your own stories and fun in this game yeah and that's that's always great um mm-hmm. can you sort of like hit and run the bosses where it's like oh we did a little bit of damage to them let's retreat and then yeah, come back with, later 
I don't know if they, they regen health, but, like, definitely with multiple people, you know, you come in and get some aggro. And gotcha. Kind of distract while other people kind of retreat out. Um, and, yeah, we killed the first boss, got some cool loot and ingredients, you know, mm-hmm. made a big, the stag breaker hammer. It's like this big two-handed thing you slam it down and there's like an aoe shock wave dude and like the goblins go flying we were doing it around our home base and like destroying our walls accidentally just chaotic um i think another reason why i kind of bounce off of survival games is the combat is usually just so unsatisfying like it's not mm-hmm. it's not really the focus like you just kind of just kind of like clunkily click on stuff you know and there's there's not really a lot of uh depth to it <laughs> How is yeah. how is the combat in Valheim? It's it's solid because it it feels pretty good to hit the enemies. Mm. You know, it's like a satisfying kind of thump when you do it, and there's poise as well, and that's really satisfying. You'll you'll hit them a couple times, and they'll you know you'll, they'll poise break. You can get a good hit in there. Cool. They kind of they kind of uh, explode. It's not graphic or anything, but they kind of just like pop when you take them out. Some little you know loot drops. Uh, so it's satisfying, you know, it's not, it's not phenomenal combat or anything, uh, but it's serviceable and it's, it's fun to, to hit the little goblins and the skeletons, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Um, it's still in early access, right? Yeah. Okay. And you guys, have you guys just done the first boss? I've only killed the first boss. I don't know if they've killed more. Ian rented a server. That's how okay. committed he is to the cause. Nice. So we have a private server now. Uh, and th- last time I logged in was the other day. And it, there was like another house built up. Like other settlements. We have access to portals now. That was the biggest thing. Uh, so we can now yeah. link different islands with our portals. Uh, apparently you know you can eventually get to where you're instead of like wood structures you're building full-on castles i don't think we're quite there yet but that seems like more more towards the end game i feel like that's uh the sort of classic story you hear in mmos where it's like two friends are like playing an mmo together and all of a sudden (laughs) this this friend is like talking to you about your rotation and like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep. raid gear and is like you come you come and see him or yeah who him or her i guess and you uh you look at them and it's like whoa okay you're like way beyond me every freaking time brad and wow dude every time man we'd start and he would just be like yo level cap check this out yes like, damn it dude and that can be really that can really uh drain your, your not drain but halt your momentum uh She's like, oh, he's already at the end. Like, he's already seen it. Shit. Shit. It sounds cool. Um, I don't think I'm, like, in a position to really dig into it yet, but Mm -hmm. um, the the flame has been burning brightly for it. You know, I I feel like every year now we we have these things that, like, are kind of hot for literally, like, a minute and then completely fade away. But I feel like Valheim has been hanging around, which is cool. That's the question. Yeah. You know, how... How much does this game expand? I mean, this is a historic mm-hmm. rise for this game. I mean, I heard five people worked on this game. So just I can imagine the amount of capital and income uh-huh. that has flooded in. You know, I think they were up to four million last time I checked. Half a million concurrent on Steam. So I was wondering, you know, 
that that has to change the plans. Mm-hmm. That has to change the future of this game. Right. You know, when you launch an early access, you know, you, you can't you can't anticipate your game is going to be Fortnite levels big. Right. So I, I I'm sure they're frantically <laughs> or patiently evaluating. You know, what's the next step for this game? Honestly, what do you yeah. do now? Um, it is time for that part of the show where we uh. Normally here we would do a shout out, but I thought I would kind of flip that on its head a little bit. And I'm going to have one of you give like a PSA. And so what I mean by this is you're going to be like, think of it like a negative shout out where you're calling something out. Okay. Where you're like, Pepsi sucks, drink Coke, something Mm -hmm. like that. And it could be anything. Mm -hmm. It it can be game related. It can be not game related. Just Mm -hmm. something where you're like, no, down with this, Mm -hmm. whatever that is. Um, and to decide which of you two is, is going to give us our PSA, uh, I'm going to have you answer a question for me. <laughs> I have it open right now. Where is Outriders on Steam's global top sellers in this moment? Uh, how high does it Can go? you give us a, a hint as to what number one is? Probably Valheim, right? Number one is Valheim. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Number one so is we, Valheim. That gives us no extra information. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Uh, I'm going to say... Do you want me to go first? You. It doesn't matter. Because that's an advantage or disadvantage. What do you want to do? Fine. I'll, you want I'll me to go first? I'll, I'll say number. Uh, we'll, we'll both say it at the same time, right? Okay. So we'll go three, one, two, two, one. Three, two, oh. one. Say it. Okay. 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 Three, two, one. Twenty-two. Uh, Damiani was closer, but you're both <laughs> quite a ways away. Uh, right now, in the Steam Global Top Sellers, it is number three. Wow! Ooh, wow! Our writer's hype. Yeah, I was uh, okay. What's interesting wow. is like, I don't know if that's because of the demo, but just mm-hmm. clicking on Steam Global Top Sellers. That's where it's at. Yeah, the oh. way you asked the question, I was yeah. like, it's got to be really like di- dismal, like dismal, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's got to be low. No, number number three. So it's Valheim Stardew Valley, which is on sale right now, fifty percent off, <laughs> oh. seven forty nine. Oh. Um, and then Outriders at number three, fifty nine ninety nine. Wow. Uh, Damiani, since you won, what would you like to give a PSA about? I want to call to your attention a very important issue. Um, for years now, you've probably been hearing about how PCs are the best way to play your video games. Well, today is the day I tell you that stay away. Go with console gaming because GPUs are non-existent. They don't exist right now. <laughs> It's so sad. New ones came out last year. We were all riding high. You were probably like, man, I'm going to finish my new PC build. I just got to get that GPU. I've got everything put aside. Let's go. Get in that brand new 3080. Or if you want an AMD, so be it. You know what? <laughs> They're un- You can't find them. You know the only place you can find them is if you go with a pre-built. But man, you're sitting there at that pile of all those parts you want to put together your- with your PC. 
just not going to happen right now. And they said, oh, wait till February. Wait till spring of this year, 2021. It'll get better. And what comes out this week? Oh, it's probably going to be until 2022, maybe later, until we see normalization of supply and demand. You know why? Cryptocurrency. Bad news. Don't go near it because it's just making GPUs harder to get. Also, very bad for the environment. Anyway, you should probably stick with console gaming. Both manufacturers, both Microsoft and Sony have said, yo, they're ramping up production. They're going to be easier to get. I'm seeing Wario64 tweet more than ever about drops <laughs> of PS5 and Xbox Series X. Shut up, Like the light at the end of the say, tunnel. Damiani, the, the counterpoint is that, yeah, you know, it's... Xbox Series X and PS5 are notoriously hard. hard to get as well. Yeah. But the, I'm seeing there actually is light okay. at the end of the tunnel. When I see those tweets going out, I've sat in two queues. Yeah, okay, an hour queue. Yeah. Didn't quite make it. I already have one, but like I feel like the effort to get one, it, it, like you're, you're almost there. Okay. Like you have a shorter wait and you're going to have that peace of mind. And you're seeing all these beautiful updates to these, like even your PS4 games, getting those like 4K ray tracing or you know 1440p 60 frame performance mode you know in the future we're gonna get those first party games with like 120 hertz 4k like that's coming someday don't worry and you know what you're gonna be experiencing those probably by the end of the year worst case scenario you'll have those meanwhile you're sitting with your pc waiting for that gpu you're still gonna be sitting there waiting and you know what prices are at an all time high an old school 1660 ti going for like multiple hundreds of dollars over its original msrp wow. you got an, a g you got a gtx 970 you could flip that right now for a, a tidy little profit like everything a, is gone right now yeah check ebay and be prepared to be like wait what <laughs> right. my old ass gpu is worth this much anyway uh this is the worst time to get into pc gaming um if you've been on the fence about a console and you have a chance to get in, I'm very much a champion of PC gaming. But right now, the tables are turned. It's a it's a sad state of affairs. Damn. You can buy a new console and play a bunch of last generation games, baby. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm looking to I'm looking to finally upgrade, and I guess I'm just gonna have to wait a while. Yeah, so, I I want a new. I mean, I want a new everything, but I especially want a new GPU. And yeah, it's uh, laughably rough. Um, this PSA, Damiani, you really went for it there, which is always what I want. Like you really just swung for the, the fences, man. And I appreciate that. Bronx Bomber. Uh, <laughs> this PSA is brought to you by some wonderful shout out to your patrons. If you you want to be shouted out on all of our various podcasts. We have quite a few, including Frame Trap, Friend Code, Easy Allies Podcast, Reaction Shots. Go to patreon.com slash easy allies, um, and you can become a shout out to your patron. And even if you don't want to sign up for that tier, because it's quite expensive, uh, we do need your support to do things like this very show that hopefully you're enjoying. So consider even just throwing a dollar away. It really does help tremendously. Um, damn. All right. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read these shout outs and I'm going to pretend that you just hit your 100th death in ghosts and goblins and you're feeling <laughs> a lot of agony. You're feeling a lot of gamer rage. Okay. So, uh, shout out 
with that tone of voice as soon as I'm done with these wonderful people, including L. Thanis, Greg the Dark Knight Kettering, Caleb Togi Crawford, Nick, Stephen Thomason, and Dougie B. Shout out! Shout out! Shout out! the fuck out! Get up! Shout out! Shout out! Ninja! All right, um, this is going to be... Ninja! <laughs> this is going to be pretty jolly, um, because when Brad and I talked about it on the last episode of Frame Trap, we weren't very far. I think I was like 20 shines in, but I've, I've 100%ed Bowser's Fury. Damiani, I believe you've also 100%ed Bowser's Fury. Huber, have you played Bowser's Fury? 60, 60. I got 60 shines. 60 shines. So you're getting there. You're getting there. Getting there. Um, so let's... Since Damiani, you had your review to, and and since I already talked about it, Huber, let's kind of focus in on your impressions here. Uh, how how are you feeling about Bowser's Fury, dude? Nintendo unhinged. Nintendo unhinged. <laughs> what makes them unhinged really? with it? The bow, like the 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 one winged angel of battle songs against Bowser. Okay, just like Nintendo <laughs> okay, yeah. going I all feel like in it? on that. I just every time that no no yeah no 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 like music. <laughs> I, I was in tears, just hysterically laughing, like so out of control. Yeah. Um, I think I like Bowser's Fury more than 3D World itself. Like, I love just being in this large space and like seeing something in the distance and, and chasing off after it. And like, man, so many of those challenges you just you you get through them and you're like oh dude like that was so creative right and people every time a fucking mario game comes out people say the same thing right but it's so true and you're like every time you experience it you're like people aren't trying hard enough like this is what it should feel Mm -hmm. like man and then you have the added bonus of like when bowser is popping up where you're like oh shit oh shit oh shit you know you have that moment of panic i think which is is cool Mm -hmm. as well yeah just you know, the same thing with every Mario, like you were saying, just the the feeling of comfort, mm-hmm. the feeling of exploration, the feeling of just like, you know, getting those shines one after another. They're, they're so expertly paced mm-hmm. and they always like kind of change up how you get each one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game just it never stops and it's also never overwhelming. Mm hmm. Uh, it's just a joy to play. It's just an absolute joy. I um, I had this moment. I I love this. I love when challenges sort of intersect in mm-hmm. unexpected ways. I was looking for these these cats, these lost cats. Of course, love you want to help. Yes, of course, you want to help the cats because the cats. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know the mom is crying and it's so sad. And I think it was the second time you had to find the missing cats, mm-hmm. and I like couldn't the find the frozen last one. island. Couldn't find the last one. <laughs> and I don't even remember exactly where it was, but I was like, okay, it's got to be close to like this place. Like, I just feel like it would be close. And I looked and I looked and I looked, couldn't find it, couldn't find it, couldn't find it. Then I was like, okay, well, I'll just go off and do something else. And then I went to like this mm-hmm. other island and boom, there it was. Yeah. And that, that sort of feeling um, where you kind of run into something and you're like, oh, wait, that's for that thing back here. I, I love those moments. Mm-hmm. 
and and taking that cat back is so fun and yeah they, they bait you with like another shine on the way and i like totally fell in the water trying to get it and oh. had to do it all over again and i was like damn it you got me nintendo because at first <laughs> it's just like oh yeah all the cats are right here and it's pretty obvious but then as yeah. you as it progresses it is like oh wait like you you want me to carry it all okay mm-hmm. and that's that's fun and yeah 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 and just the you know the nostalgia, dude. You got your freaking fire flowers and your popping Goombas. Like, I love the little challenges, you know. You'll you'll hit a switch and it'll be a combat challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll get swarmed by a bunch of Goombas. Or mm-hmm. I really liked the one where there's, like, uh, kind of invisible walls and you have to butt stomp. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't realize you have to butt stomp. Like, Mario's so good at that. Sometimes I'll just be like playing and i'll like accidentally discover something yeah. or or like oh i didn't know that if you butt stomp here it kind of sends out you know a shock wave and you can kind of see more of the the platforms mm-hmm. yeah Just when that, you're that when sense you're of discovery are you talking about like when you're climbing the tower and you can't yeah. see the shape of the tower well the mm-hmm. fire flower is really good there because if you throw mm-hmm. fireballs yes. the, the fireballs create a path for you to Dude, see which is pretty so awesome cool. um so fun and i absolutely adore how they handle power-ups in this because i feel like in mario sometimes it's just like okay whatever whatever power-up i have like that that's just what i'm using now it's just what mm-hmm. i have and that may change you know depending on whether i get hit or die or go to the next level or whatever and here it's it, it really is like i i can store these they are tools in the toolbox i can like have that moment where i think like oh i think the tanuki suit might be a little bit better here and so you equip that um and I, I love that. Uh, it's it's almost like its own like mini Mario job system in a yeah. way. Um, the so uh, really cool. the cat suit though is just so op. I feel like I'm always just using the cat suit just because it can climb. Right. I think that's um, the thing is like you I, get I feel so like, high. I feel like so much of the challenges are designed around you being able to climb, and so that's yeah. that's a big yeah. reason why it feels that way. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oops. Sorry. Go ahead, Huber. No, no, go ahead, please. Uh, Damiani, as a a resident Nintendo expert, (laughs) how did you feel about this this new Mario adventure? Yeah, I like the direction they took with it. Um, I think hearing you two talk, uh, especially Huber talking about Bowser, like I agree with the presentation (laughs) and the music. Like I was like, I was like, I I remember saying like, I tried like, okay, they they, they straight up took Sephiroth's one-winged angle. Yeah, dude. And they just reworked it with Bowser. I was like, Bowser, 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 Bowser. It's so funny that all three of us independently thought of one-winged angel. Yeah. It's so that. Uh, I maybe would have appreciated if they pushed the uh, Bowser's Fury angle a little bit more in terms of the dynamic of how it changes up the moment-to-moment gameplay. Uh, after the first two times, it didn't really feel menacing or threatening mm-hmm. uh, because it was pretty much the same gimmick. Yeah, he's going to sure. shoot fireballs that rain down in pretty much pre-specified spots, and he's going to shoot fire from one like the direction he's in. And you either just dodge that by being behind an object or you're using it to bait those blocks. I do appreciate that as part of like a puzzle element. Yeah. But it was the same puzzle over and over again in yeah. each yeah. island. It's like I break agree. the Bowser box. One of these days, I Nintendo agree. just needs to surprise everyone. And the final Bowser fight is like 100 times harder than the rest of the game. Like it is souls yeah. levels. 100 times harder? <laughs> just so hard. It's so like a Hollow difficult. Knight fight. <laughs> yeah. It's, like it's really all... difficult. He's like better at platforming than you and stuff. He's like or... jumping on you and you can't yeah. handle it. You like, you die and it wipes your save. That's <laughs> Not even that. Just like really challenging. Like that'd be cool. 
Um, because yeah, yeah, I feel that, Damiani. Some of the Sorry. threat was, yeah. By the end, it was more. It annoyance. wasn't just even the challenge, though. To be specific here, mm-hmm. I was more interested in how it changed up the design of maybe the islands. Yeah, and, and they basically just amount to pillars. Sometimes mm-hmm. they made it a little easier, like that same part, that invisible tower part. That in Bowser's Fury mode, uh, more blocks would appear to actually make it easier to scale up that thing if you wanted to get up there faster. But otherwise, I was hoping for more challenge, like uh uh shines crafted specifically towards being obtained in that there is a platform that only shows up but that's like a that's not really anything special it's more like figure out where you need to be when Mm -hmm. it appears but the course being altered because they do do that like the coliseum island the water level goes down and Mm -hmm. it opens more layers of the coliseum other levels like some of like the sludge disappears you see a new path I thought the Bowser's Fury day-night cycle thing was going to change up. I was like, oh, man, there's going to be at least one shine that's going to be only able to be obtained this way. They really don't go that direction with it. And I would like to see that if they're going to go back to something like that, a time mechanic, I hope they make it a little bit better integrated into the the moment-to-moment gameplay other than trying to be like, it's... Panic! It's chaos. They just you know that, that it's not really doing. It's a one trick. It's basically a one trick pony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Damiani, I completely agree. Um, like at first, my initial reaction was like, "Oh, dude, okay, I can only break these blocks when yeah, Bowser's like out." I like that a and, lot. And then, and then I was like, "You just you get into this predictable rhythm with it, where it's like, okay, I'm gonna wait for Bowser to come out, but I just need this shine. I'm gonna shoot here, and it's." I love how they integrate Plessy into Bowser's Fury because like pretty much it feels like wherever you are, like Plessy is right there. And so there's just this ease of getting around um, and then you get fast travel as well, uh, which is super nice. And so it's just really easy to get around. And so I almost wish like while Bowser is sort of like respawning, you could go to him and, and like throw something at him and it would like completely change everything. It's like, okay, now everything is frozen over or like, or like this, you, you can only access like this Island while Bowser's up. I, I don't know what it would be exactly, but I agree with your, what I'm trying to say is I agree with your point that I wish when Bowser appear, you could change things more drastically than what in ends up actually being changed. Cause I, no I do threat. think, yeah, I do think the design of so many of the shines are like sufficiently varied and stuff, but specifically mm-hmm. with Bowser, I, I agree with your point. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. like what they did on the last, uh, mm. fa- well, I, I haven't got a hundred, but like the la- when before the credits roll, like yeah. the, kind of the fight, the fight. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did like that one, but yeah, didn't, didn't change enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that's yeah. Stuff going more like if, if a unique situation like that was offered in more, more times, would have been pretty cool. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and as you said, Ben, like you know, if there's just something you did that triggered a different state of uh-huh. Bowser's fury that would like, Oh, this Island's now iced over or something it, because that just would have changed up the dynamic a little bit more because on its own. Yeah. The shine, each Island has five objective, five cat shines to get. And they were, they were mostly pretty good. Uh, there was like a handful that were almost in every single island. Like you got to get like the five like uh, shards. Cat shards or whatever shine yeah, shards. I like those. I love. Yeah, those. I, I like those because they encourage you to explore every nick yeah. and cranny of the of each individual island. It's so, so smart I, too. Sorry, just just how yeah. it, when you collect one, it's it like fills in the slot of like oh maybe I I missed one. Yes, like just that I whole design. That. 
Genius. Well, Love that. You kind of uh, talked about that moment, Huber, where you do something accidentally. And mm-hmm. I had that with those little cat shards because I was like, can Bowser Jr. go get those for me? He oh, totally can. Yeah. So nice. you can you can just like send him off. And if he touches it, he, that will count for collecting the shard. Pro and like, tip. Yeah. Oh, that's Pro awesome. It's, that's, it's also a good thing <laughs> to talk about because it's an in- tr- interesting way they do co-op in this. Because as the second player who controls Bowser Jr., you are doing no platforming whatsoever. Mm. Uh, like it's a complete opposite of Super Mario 3D World's multiplayer, which is multi- like platforming mayhem. This is more, uh, yeah, this is more laid back and like you are helping in. It's to help make combat a little easier. It's like, oh, I just don't want to deal with enemies. Oh, they can go whack them. But also exploration. Hey, I saw something, but you didn't do. I'm going to go tap that real quick, like a shard. Or there's those secret graffiti things that mm-hmm. they can interact with and get you those items. I love stocking up on items. I was like, had to have like five of each Same. at all times. I like love that. Like I, they absolutely, you were absolutely right with that. 30 band. items and, with and, a cat suit equipped. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say like, besides the Bowser and uh, Bowser awakened, um, I agree with you. Like Plessy was amazing. Uh, yeah. Having a, just a fast way to get across the world. I might've appreciated the option for a mini map would be one small thing hmm. uh, just for bearings. Cause having to open up the map manually each time I didn't want to know where shines were, but like where I was going, like where's this over the course of the game, it's not that big of an open world. So mm-hmm. you kind of, get used to where everything is the, the i wasn't too thrilled about the the atmosphere of of the overall of the game hmm. i feel like any individual level from a 3d mario game had more personality to it than any one of these islands except hmm. maybe the volcano island with the cat ear mountains was kind of like the most distinct oh yeah that part. mountain is great because yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was good but everything else just looked a little generic, mm-hmm. uh, like obstacle coursey, like very basic design. My only, compared, yeah. The only thing I will say, I guess, in the defense of that is that that is how 3D World feels to me. Like if you you do any, you, I think of the worlds of 3D World, and a lot of it is like connected challenges, basically. Uh, yeah, and not, not, I mean, not just like visual appearance, I guess, was the, sure. the most disappointing part. Because like you get to like the desert world, there's like nice desert environments. It might be mm-hmm. gen- like not, nothing special in terms of a desert, but they look good. Like the ice skating winter wonderland, the th- yeah. like 3-1 of 3, the Mario Kart themed land. I like, think even, of the like, uh, Shinobi house. Yeah. 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 Like I, I like something like Odyssey, its strength is how unique its worlds look. Oh, yeah. It, Odyssey it, it, is, it, yeah. And I don't expect that level of imagination and ingenuity, mm-hmm. uh, but I would like to have some more of that wonder brought in if they're going to go with this again, mm-hmm. like if they're going to revisit this concept, yeah. you're going to make a whole brand new Mario game in this style. I hope they put that extra time they'll have into making the world look a little bit more visually impressive and unique. Mm-hmm. Wait, uh, so do you think we would get like another Mario bowser's fury like bowser's fury again or or instead oh, of an odyssey 2 i don't think i mean literally bowser's fury again i think just like kind of the idea of because even in odyssey right like, like you're bouncing so bouncing kinda. between places so think just sort of, of the idea of like one giant seamless or th- like yeah. a 3d like almost not quite metroid no, it's not metroidvania but people are gonna jump to it but like 
you start in a central area that's like the Green Hill area and it mm-hmm. starts expanding as you get more sh- enough shines and beat some bosses. And then like it expands. Now you're in the north. You got the winter area. You got mm-hmm. the desert area in the south. You got the lake in the southeast. You know, you got the ruins over here and they're all just available. And as you go there and do more of them, they start expanding as well. That's I guess that's what I'm uh, I'm getting yeah. at. What I think a new 3- 3D Mario in this vein would be. It just it cannot all just look like generic obstacle yeah. course world. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the place in Kingdom Hearts three they go to at the end. Like oh yeah, Kalem whatever. Kalem Ox. Yeah. Oh gosh, <laughs> give me that vibe. Yeah. Um, Damiani, you you said like a mini map might be nice, and I totally see where you're coming from. Uh, one thing that I do appreciate about Bowser's Fury, though, is I feel like there were plenty of times where, like, I was at a, a high enough vantage point, and I could just look around, or I, I could see, like, well, that's clearly a shine over there in the distance and go over there. And I, I love having that sense in, in kind of uh, more open areas, because there are definitely games I play where I feel like I have to, like, be constantly looking at the map because it's hard to just, like, naturally navigate. Um, and I, I did feel like it was a little bit easier here to naturally navigate oh. where, cause like even just like the rings indicating like, yep, this is an Island or like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's where the giant cat bell is. Or like, Oh yeah. Bowser's in the center there. Like I, I do think visually a lot of that stuff uh, is pretty well presented. Yeah. They, they, they did. They really packed a lot in. Yeah. Yeah. Challenge wise into yeah. not, a, not a huge yeah. environment. Uh, just like you know, you you'll finish one course and then come back, and it'll be like, okay, now get the blue coins in here, or yeah. get to the top and kill someone. Like, so I, I appreciate the way each level kind of changed as you got more shines. Oh, the feeling that I had was like, ah, oh, shit, it's over. There's no yeah. more. There's nothing. Else. Like, There's I so just much. want to be more. Yeah, so much possibility. By the way, uh, Scala ad Kalum. Scala ad that. There. I was I thinking that the that. entire time. Uh, I was like, yeah. "Where's Where's Mog or whatever? Where are the Moogles?" But, yeah, Ben. There's so much potential here. Mm-hmm. Imagine, like, I'm just thinking of stuff they've already done in other games that would be beautiful in a game like this. Yeah. Uh, Luigi's balloon challenge stuff mm, in, th- in yeah, Odyssey. Sure. Now do that in open world Mario yeah. where like you have complete freedom to choose a starting point. Like it, it's literally make you like, oh man, people would go, it's already <laughs> insane yeah. in Odyssey. This would just be unhinged. <laughs> um, Speaking of unhinged, Huber, you were a werewolf in Werewolf the Apocalypse. Uh, you streamed a little bit of it. Yeah. And, man, I just want a cool werewolf game. Is this a cool werewolf game? <laughs> it seems okay. It seems all right. I I'm I played a little bit on stream and then played a little bit on my own as well. So I'm only a few hours in. So to, to preface this analysis, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, I, I am not very far in this game. Yeah, uh, I have heard it's actually really short. How long to beat? Has it under ten hours? Okay, so it, that's surprising. Is... I would think for a game like this that it'd be like the twenty-hour mark. Same Ben, because there's quite a lot of story. Mm. There's quite a lot of dialogue. This is in the World of Darkness universe. Uh, you know, Hunter the Reckoning and and that stuff. Uh, a game I've played, but a universe that I am largely unfamiliar with. Yeah. I've uh, played Hunter the Reckoning as well, like, mm-hmm. like 25 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> however long it was. It was a long Original time Original Xbox <laughs> yeah, or yeah, PS2, yeah. whatever the yeah. hell. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, 
but yeah, this is a a beat 'em up. I would say it's a stealth stealth action beat 'em up game. You mm. are you are this basically this eco terrorist trying to take out like Umbrella Co Corporation because uh, they're messing with the environment and stuff and world tree trees and the story's pretty. There's quite a bit. Wait, there's world trees? Or there's like this, this, okay. there, yeah, there's this like magical tree, like we're turning into werewolves. It, there, there's a lot of story. Is the story uh, good? Some of it is presented well and I'm invested, okay. you know, I, I'm invested with like, have you ever seen the movie The East? It's about like eco-terrorism. It's about no. Elliot, Elliot Page and no, it's good, but no. I'm down with. You know, you mess with the environment, dude. You're you're Saruman killing the trees. Like that's coming back to you, dude. You better look out, dude. Man, you got to be like way into Final Fantasy VII. Like, <laughs> yeah, dude. Avalanche, exactly, baby. exactly. Yeah. Avalanche vibes. So, uh, so you, yeah, you. But but the the beginning's pretty dark. You know, shit goes down. Mm-hmm. You're married with a kid. Some some stuff goes down. Years, you know, now we pick up kind of years later. So, uh, the story I'm pretty invested in. It kind of reminds me of Alpha Protocol, just hmm. the presentation. You know, you're kind of wandering around your little area, interacting with people. You have some dialogue choices, uh, but the choices really just amount to click this one, exhaust the dialogue. Click this one, exhaust the. You know, if you if you're there for the lore. Gotcha. Option. Are you making? Dialogue. Are you making decisions that? impact events or is it just it kind of like exhausting yeah it doesn't seem like that yet okay. um i don't really know if that will come into play I don't, I don't think it does uh but then when you get into the game you know you are you're 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 a soldier uh and you can can stealth you can stealth take down enemies you can turn into a small wolf like a dog style wolf and that's really fun you know you're sneaking through vents you know, you're you're walking around as a doggo. It's super just fun. That's why I play this game. I just want to walk around as a doggo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that kind of stealth form. And then when shit hits the fan, you know, if you get caught or you get like more rage, you turn into the big hulking altered beast style. Rise you know, from your grave. Grab an enemy, bite their head off, throw the body at other enemies. Just <laughs> blood everywhere. That that sounds awesome. Is it? <laughs> does it feel as awesome as it sounds? It feels okay. You know, it, it's it. I don't think it feels quite as good as something like X Men Origins Wolverine because that's kind of the <laughs> category. Pull. That's yeah. kind of the category of this game, though. You know, we're we're aiming for a seven here. Mm. Uh, we're aiming for you know just good targeting good a seven. <laughs> targeting the seven. I don't know if it's quite those levels, mm-hmm. uh, but it still is kind of satisfying just turning into this big hulking beast you have you have skills you know you can level up it has multiple forms there's like the agility form where it's kind of on all fours or you can go into strength form which is like upright walking heavy hits uh (laughs) so yeah it it looks cool i'm I'm invested in the story and i'm i'm invested you know i want to i want to see this through the fact that it's less than 10 hours too makes me even more invested you know yeah, i feel like sure. i feel like this game will end before it can annoy me before i will resent I it yeah you kind of get in 
bite some heads off and get out. Uh, <laughs> that's that's it. Yeah. yeah, just I'm like I'm like a couple hours in. So okay. I mean, a couple hours in to ten hour game. You know that's, exactly. Yeah. So you can check a bit. Um, yeah. The last thing that we're going to talk about, and I'm really curious because I don't think I've I've gotten to talk really a ton with Damiani about it. I <clears throat> finally, after picking away at it for a very long time, have finally finished uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. Nice. Um, oh, nice. And it's funny because I... <clears throat> before I finished Age of Calamity, I completely played through Persona 5 Strikers, and so I I think that playthrough is That's kind of... That's a lot of moves, so... Yeah. yeah, it is, but it's, it's <laughs> kind of coloring my opinion of uh, Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity because Strikers is a is definitely a different thing. Um, Dude, I'm surprised. Real quick, Ben, I'm surprised how much story is in Strikers. Holy shit! That's sort of what I, I'm getting at. Where, yeah, like, yeah, um, two hours in, it's like two or three battles. I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is awesome. I think, I think my biggest disappointment with Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity with it sort of being a precursor to the events of Breath of the Wild, I wish I was more invested in the story than I ended up being. And I think those expectations were raised after playing Strikers and being genuinely attached to the characters and and interested uh, very much in the story and then focusing so much on the story. Like, I kind of just didn't... kind of just didn't care as much as I wanted to. Like... There is, it's sort of neat seeing how things play out, but I, I don't know. I just wasn't, you know, you talked about being invested uh, in Werewolf, and I just wasn't that way with Age of Calamity. <laughs> what I will say that I do like is, boy, you just keep getting characters. Like, you think you got everybody, and you super don't. Um, <laughs> it just keeps going. And they there's a lot of different and neat and neat mechanics for all of the characters. And it's nice that so many of the battles that you're doing, you're bringing in multiple characters. You need to go to multiple points. You, you know, you, you kind of need to understand uh, how a lot of the roster works. And so I do, would it, I do like that. Go ahead. Would it be a spoiler to ask you if you unlock characters that are in other Zelda games? Like, are there bonus not, kind of fun characters it's like a that? Spoiler. It's, I mean, it's not. It doesn't spoil anything in the story, but the game is self-contained to its own universe. There's okay. no. It's so no, like, like Wind Waker not, characters no, are showing up. No, or no, no, no. It's no. not. No. It's not like. It's not like Midna suddenly shows up and is like, "Hey guys, yeah." No. It's not like that. It's not. That's <laughs> OG. You want, everyone's there. That's the Hyrule Warriors OG. Yeah, God. not this. Yep. God. Yeah, cool. Damian is is completely um, <laughs> correct there. But with that being said, despite the fact that it's contained in its own universe. You do unlock a lot of characters and characters that I never would have expected. Like when you get them, you're like, wait, really? Really? Um, and <laughs> so I, get, I don't uh, want to spoil it because yeah, it is it is <laughs> one of the 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 best moments when you're like, oh, actually that happened. Okay, cool. Um, I, I definitely enjoyed it. I think, um, Damiani, kind of what you were talking about with Bowser's Fury and with Bowser, it, you were like, oh man, like I kind of wish... Like there was this change a little bit more over time. I ended up feeling that way with kind of a lot of the stronger enemies that you fight in Age of Calamity. Like by the end, you're like, I have seen, I feel like I've seen like almost everything you're throwing at me multiple times. Like it's just not like you you throw the same type of enemies 
over and over and over again. And that's, you know, exacerbated by the fact that you're probably going to spend some time doing challenges and, and things like that. And uh, grinding out stuff yeah. against the same things, which is funny because it's ironic because Hyrule Warriors actually has more, Age of Calamity has more variety than the source game, mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild, which also has the same issue, in my opinion, that it's like the same types. I mean, seeing them for the first time Breath of the Wild, I think had a little bit more impact, uh, mm-hmm. like their, their take on Lionel, um, their take on like uh, Hinox. It, it was kind of cool to see. Mm-hmm. But there are only so many variations of those same enemies, like three or four right. variations of the same handful of enemies. Breath of the Wild, you see that amplified. While they added more elemental types in Age of Calamity, it's just highlighting what I think is now over time been exposed as one of the weaker elements of Breath of the Wild that I hope they address in mm-hmm. the sequel is a little bit more enemy variety. Dude, especially coming off like a Dark, like a Dark Souls 3. Yeah. And, you know, like, like again, it is still doing something amazing with scale in their environments, but yet having so much damn variety in enemy designs. Yeah. It's like, I think Nintendo needs to, <laughs> sure. Zelda team needs to step that up. So I agree, I definitely agree with you. And I think a lot of other people have pointed that out sure. as well, Ben, that the enemy variety and even boss variety in Age of Calamity kind of suffers. Um, th- this, this next point, I think um, Strikers suffers from as well. And this, this is a minor spoiler for Age of Calamity. Because um, in Strikers, I feel like, you know, my biggest criticism is they they just repeat some ideas way too often. Like there are moments in Age of Calamity where you'll control different guardians and it's basically a <laughs> turret section. <laughs> and it's like, this is fine. Like once it's not fine. Like repeated times. And it's just like, I just feel like they just, they have an idea and they kind of just do it again and they do it again. And it's just like, they just go a little bit too hard in it. Um, but Damiani, I'm really curious your take, you know, because you, you definitely know the most about Zelda lore out of, out of any of us. What was your take on the age of calamity story? Oh yeah. They go back to what you're talking about beginning. So here's the thing for me, Ben, uh, breath of the wild introduced a lot of characters who didn't really, we didn't get to really explore them even with the champions valid Mm -hmm. DLC or sorry, the champions DLC, uh, we got to see Rivali. We got to see a bit of more, or of a of Urbosa, Daruk, um, and uh, and Mifa. And I just wanted to spend more time with these characters. They spent all this development in Breath of the Wild, but it was these characters aren't there anymore. This right. is all past stuff. I you are telling me you're not letting me experience this. And like I, I I need I was missing that element. This game gave me what I wanted out of that. I got mm-hmm. to spend time with these characters. I felt like we the bonds grew. I felt like uh, I got this group of friends finally getting to hang out, fight together. And I understand there's like, uh, I didn't mind it as much that this technically an alternate telling. It's not literally the prequel to breath of the wild. Yeah. Uh, it's not the hundred year events as they were told in breath of the wild. It's something different. Yeah. Just please go into the game with that expectation. It's made clear very early on, like the very first opening cutscene. You are clued in. Oh, this isn't gonna. Oh, I see it's, what's going on here. It's they classic, for, like Koei Tecmo, like JRPG, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. It definitely is. But it's nice to see a story we already know being told in a different way because it because it's not the 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 the, the dreary, bleak, mm. sad backstory that we thought was going to happen. These characters now have a chance to shine. They mm. have more. They have more spotlight time. You see them interacting with everyone more. 
And I, I like that. And and like that's not just that the cutscene. I don't know who did the I forget who did the cutscene work for this game, mm-hmm. but man, it shows that narrative, visual narrative storytelling, even in traditional sense, can thrive in a Zelda game. It, like people used to always say, has no place in a Zelda game. Cutscenes take away from a Zelda game. And yes, this is a Muso style game, so it's not the same pacing as like a Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. But it does prove there is appeal to the lore of Zelda. In a, in a traditional sense. And I, I like that. I, I feel characters are very important to to narrative storytelling. And I think they understood that a little bit better in Age of Climbing. But they also had more to go off of because the template was already there. And I think they just ran with like what they saw people want. They wanted us to spend more time with these characters. Yeah. And we got that. And it was great. That's awesome, dude. That That's what I was feeling with Strikers was like, yeah. wow. I've missed this cast, you know, this oh my Persona God, 5 exactly is how I felt. Yeah. one of my, one of my favorite games of all time that like we, I know we all love Persona 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was thinking Ben of just like, I was thinking about it of like, this is the best way to revisit these characters in this world and spend more time with them, but not at the expense of something new and exciting like Persona 6, mm-hmm. you know? Cause it's like, would you want the next big Persona game to just be like a sequel to Persona 5? Or do you want like yeah. new cast, new characters, uh, new just new everything? So I was just thinking about that balance. I was like, this is a real cool way to like continue the story. Totally. And what I what I liked about Strikers so much is it it didn't just end at like, man, I get to spend more time with these people, which is great. And I think they they really nailed the relationships of those characters in Strikers super, super well. But I actually cared about the main narrative, and I felt like the new characters that they were adding were meaningful additions that I was equally invested in. So <laughs> it felt like I wasn't just enjoying Strikers just because it was Persona 5, although there's definitely a lot of that. It was also like, <laughs> I'm kind of appreciating this thing on its own terms that I really liked. Um, and nice. to your point, Damiani about Age of Calamity, and maybe I'm just missing out on some things, but I actually wish characters got to shine a little bit more. I do agree that there are definitely some characters that get to shine, but I don't feel like everyone gets to shine. Like, um, and I, I guess I don't really want to get too much into it, but like, like even Impa definitely gets to shine a little bit, but I feel it kind of fades into the background a little bit more as time goes on. I'm not sure if you... Uh, agree with that, but there are things that I really like. Like I do think um, they highlight Zelda's relationship with her father quite a bit, um, and I think that that whole interaction is done pretty well. Yeah, there there's definitely things. There are definitely stronger bonds between certain characters. Mm-hmm. I guess for me, it was the ones that mattered the most were the ones that got the the highlight. Mm-hmm. I understand Impa kind of fell to the background as more and more characters were introduced, and mm-hmm. this it, you kind of got a sense for they're focusing on. And there were definitely some. There definitely are shortcomings with this. Uh, the uh, the new villain it, to me ultimately <laughs> was a letdown. It's yeah. nothing new in a Zelda series. It, they always oh introduce someone who has the potential to be a great new villain, and they just do not know how to close. They do not know how to close. Yeah, they, they, they always have these really, really crappy finales yeah. for their character arcs. It's like that's it. Yeah, that like you you really need to find someone else to make your villains, please. Yeah. Uh, so you the same have, problem you gotta, happens you gotta here. You got to plant some seeds, you know? 
it's tough because like Ganon and, and whatever has the luxury of showing up in so many games. That's why Wesker is so great. I feel like sometimes, you know, these and Bowser. I feel like sometimes these mm. one the one and done villains, you know, it, it's tougher to like have that. Well, it's that it, gravitas. It's more so just that like <laughs> actually just, you know, Ganon matters like that. That's yeah. that's what yeah it, it ends up feeling like it yeah 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 it, it's it's a it's a weird thing though because yeah with ganon they 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 either stray far away from the 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 more humanized mm-hmm. version of him that actually has some semblance of a personality to he he is a character i think historically has the least amount of depth of some of the nintendo villains at least of the, the iconic ones just because he has historically always been, I'm bad for the sake of being bad. Mm-hmm. There, and, and when people, I saw an, a very interesting hot take. Uh, someone actually I saw said that the Wind Waker depiction of Ganondorf, while it is the best depiction of Gan- Ganondorf, it's still not a great depiction. It's mm. just a lot of Zelda fans have been given shoveled trash, <laughs> given shoveled bad character development for Ganon oh, in every so single true. game. That when you finally get something halfway decent, you praise it because you see, it seems so great to you. From I think the, the same thing can be said about what, Zelda, honestly. Yeah, yeah, and it's like that's not. It's like ultimately, like it's not that good. It's just mm. like it's it's just something different and has some thought put behind it. And yes, I, I do. I would like to see Ganon get more of that development. Huber, uh, even Bowser has had, as you said, has had way more character development in other <laughs> games in some form. Even if it's in not mainline games, but even yeah. the mainline games do well, a great job. You know, you have and, like your Bowser's Inside Stories, right? And yeah. Breath of the Wild is a, a prime example of like just this like ambiguous, nebulous enemy like manifestation of malice thing that's mm-hmm. like no personality. It's just evil essence here to wreck things up and doesn't have any motivation other than destroy, destroy or conquer, conquer. It's like, that's so boring to me. Mm-hmm. I, with Calamity Ganon, I guess they're trying to go for like massive, like, like this is world ending threat and it's the best visual representation of this thing swirling around Hyrule Castle. Holy shit. Well, this is like corrupting serious everything business. too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, this means business in terms of threat. I feel threatened by this thing, but in terms of, like on an emotional bond level of like development, I have no other interest in you other than that. You are mm. threatening to me, and that is it. <laughs> you know what's going to be threatening right now? Uh oh. This hotake. Uh, it's the, the tutorial of uh, really quick. The tutorial yeah. of Bonds in Persona Five Strikers said the word bond like mm-hmm. six times on one page well because it's like a whole like skill <laughs> yeah. page right that yeah. you invest points in the bonds yeah it says it like yeah. six times i was like yes here we go it's uh great that we're talking about switch because our otake is about the switch um and boy this was really put in my mind uh, after watching the the pokemon legends arceus trailer uh where the switch is nearly four years old which we're talking about that. I think like blood mentioned it and I was like, Whoa, wait, it doesn't. Wow. Really? It doesn't feel that long ago. Uh, that that the switch came out, came out. Yeah. It's nearly four years old. Um, and I just kind of basically want to ask, um, is it showing its age? And I'm definitely leading the question here a little bit, uh, with, with my own opinion, because, I, I love the Switch. I really, truly do. I, I honestly believe it's one of the best things Nintendo has ever done. I've enjoyed so many games on it. I have a lot of love and praise for it. But it's 
increasingly gotten to the point I feel like where I'm like I don't know that I want to play the Switch version of that it's it's probably bad and I I feel like this has been a thing forever uh you know throughout the Switch's life right it's it's not a new phenomenon but I feel like what like watching Pokemon Legends I'm like man I what if this was on a more powerful machine or you know I, like it, it it's getting to the point where I feel like it's it's I don't know, increasingly coloring my perception of the switch in a negative way. And I just want to know, mm-hmm. you know, your, this is, this is not it, like an objective fact. This is just like sort of how I feel about it. And I want to get how you guys feel about it and how we as a panel kind of collectively feel. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's been shown its age a little bit. Um, and when I was playing Bowser's Fury, actually, I noticed some slowdown when things started getting crazy. Hmm kind of just like slow motion it was Uh like some you know it wasn't like chopping but it was like slower um i think i don't think it's dire but i think breath of the wild 2 is going to be a huge test it's like the next benchmark Mm. so if i come away just from breath of the wild 2 kind of being under underwhelmed visually then i will feel like desperate for for a refresh you know but as long as breath of the wild 2 looks excellent phenomenal visually then i'm content for a long time does that make sense yeah i'm gonna put all my all my all my eggs in in breath of the wild that's that's the one i want that's the game i want to look good that's the game where i'll be hurt if it looks compromised you know so it's the, one of the most important games to me. It's it's one of the showpieces of the system. Sure. Uh, the the flagship of one of the flagships of Nintendo. Expectations are sky high. The first one looked gorgeous. So this one should technically look even better. But if I come away for some reason thinking like, Ugh, it's it's kind of a yeah. perception thing, right? And of course, with Switch, you have the benefit of portability, and so there there are benefits mm-hmm. that you don't get with other platforms. But like Persona Five Strikers is a good example where I was like. I want to review this on PC. Like I, 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 I think outside of the demo, like I haven't touched the Switch version of Persona Five Strikers, so maybe the frame rate is totally flawless and fine. But it's like that. It's again, it's a perception thing, right? It's that 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 fear flag that kind of pops in your mm-hmm. brain where it's like, I feel like if I play it on PC, I have a better chance of not running into that stuff. Yeah, uh, you know. And of course, that's not universally true. It's just based on repeated experience over time. You sort of form these opinions and, and the power of the switch becomes a concern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I know. Yeah. I, I'm keenly aware of how, how long it's been since the switch came out. It's interesting to hear because of how successful it's been. I mean, what, whether that's what's determined this, I mean, Nintendo themselves, uh, their, their president, uh, for said they view switch as only being just about halfway through its life. Uh. So like a six true successor to switch isn't coming anytime soon, mm-hmm. at least three years from now. So this is the question. Is the Switch Pro real? Is that coming? Will that even be able to properly address a lot of what we're talking about? Or is it going to be a, a very minor bump, like 3DS to new 3DS? It did some stuff, but like it's not the biggest game changer. Mm-hmm. We're talking like maybe things hit stable 30 frames at least and no more dips below 30, but you're not going to be seeing 1080 60 games on a switch pro very likely. So this is something like an open world game. So yes, I, I, I like, but there's also more to the question. Like when it comes to Pokemon, the, the it's like, is game freak going through some growing pains of 
This is our first open world Pokemon game. Right. That's Do we know how yeah. to make this? I look back at Molasoft with the, the, the first Xenoblade Chronicles on Wii. Well, there's actually a pretty impressive technical feat, but look how far they've come in at the mastery they have, like X on Wii U, one of the most technically impressive games. Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and Torna, one of the most visually impressive games from like Nintendo. Even Mario Kart 8 Deluxe still looks really freaking good. Uh, yeah. I, I think they can make good games. It's just like the question is these bigger games, these open world games, they all kind of have the same issue. Even like Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity had problems, you know, running smoothly on, on docked in docked mode. Yeah, Damiani, I I think you're absolutely right. I, I think so much of what you're saying is on point. And I don't I don't want to frame this as like, oh, nothing looks good on Switch. I don't don't oh, want to yeah. feel that. Yeah. I don't want to say that. But even even like Xenoblade Chronicles 2, looking at Xenoblade Chronicles 2, it's like for the system, yeah, there's there's things that I really like about this visually, but man, I, it, I in my mind it could look even better. You know, it's like you just sometimes I, I I have a hard time letting go of that feeling sometimes. Exactly, we just saw it on the state of play. Uh, Kena Kena, however you want to pronounce it. Apparently, blood. Kena got a correction, so apparently it's still Kena. Apparently, uh, Kena. It's not Kena. Apparently, we don't know. Tomato. State of play said. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Tomato, Whatever tomato. it's gonna be called uh that game just like it looked seamless between a gameplay and cutscenes or whatever the heck they're doing if it's just all in game how it's presented you now imagine that level of fidelity with breath of the wild 2 mm-hmm. with a fire emblem with age of calamity even like you know persona strikers having mm-hmm. like that level of fidelity possible if they wanted to do that on switch and you know that's not what they're ever aiming for. And the further along in a generation you get out of a new piece of Nintendo hardware, the more apparent it has been since the Wii. Mm-hmm. Wii, Wii U, and now Switch. It's been the third generation in a row where we're now dealing with this. I do, But I do think while it's apparent and it's something everyone can... If people say they aren't considering it, they're lying. On some level, you are considering it. But I think a lot of people put a lot of value into the portability aspect of Switch. As long as I can take this on the go, I get it. It's like sometimes it feels like the devs only are focusing on that first. So that is actually a a great point that I want to bring up. And I think maybe the reason why I'm feeling it more intensely than usual is because of the pandemic. And I just I haven't been traveling. Right. Like I just haven't been going places. And so the portability of the Switch in this particular moment just isn't as important to me because I have a television accessible. And of course that's going to differ from person to person, but you know, I think it's fair to say that, that for many people uh, the last year they've spent a lot more time inside. So yeah, shouldn't, uh, shouldn't Samus's glorious return be breathtaking it, it deserves the best right it, it deserves, deserves the best it needs to be a yeah. show stopper dude I mean, that's, that's what metroid less. prime was that's yeah. what metroid prime was. exactly it was the second most powerful just slightly yeah. behind xbox and in, in its visual power mm-hmm. and there was a lot of show pieces on that system and it was nice to have that feeling when like because it was also coming off of like hey, your past system or two was kind of lagging a little bit behind in the tech department. Now you're almost at parity. That was the last time it really was, and it felt nice. It felt good. And yeah, people are always going to wonder what these games could possibly look like. It's just when these games are selling so damn well. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't uh, like I'm actually shocked 
that we're getting an open world Pokemon. I, I truly believe the only reason it's happening is because the execs at Game Freak and the Pokemon Company were just saw Breath of the Wild's numbers like, wait, it sold 20 million, but like, yeah, our Pokemon games already sell like in the tens of millions, but they're like, but Zelda games used to only sell like single digit millions. This is the first like double digit millions and it's in the 20 million plus going up. And they're like, so it sold more than twice, almost three times the best selling Zelda. So maybe an open world Pokemon will sell twice to three times better <laughs> than any Pokemon. That's probably <laughs> yeah. what they saw was like the dollar signs. Yep. Maybe not. Obviously, they might like That's actually funny. finally have had enough of the criticisms and maybe they just want to be innovative. But who knows what that motivation is? But the fact is all these games are selling so damn well right. on Switch. There actually isn't that an, a strong financial uh, uh, need for them to 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 push. Consumers aren't really telling them, "Hey, Animal Crossing doesn't look like a PS5 level game. I'm not buying yeah. it. Best like, going to be the best selling game." It's funny because I think I think Animal Crossing, for what it is and what it's trying to accomplish, I think it, Animal Crossing looks great. I really do. It's it's more so the clunky online that really irritates mm-hmm. me. And tying that back into Pokemon, right? Like in my experience being connected online and exploring the wild areas has just been terrible. It's just, the, <laughs> there's, I, there's no way to soften that blow. Like it's just been terrible for me. The idea of it is really cool running around these big open fields, seeing other trainers, great idea. But in practice, it's, it's not, it's not even close to where the idea yeah. should be for what it's trying to present. And so of course I naturally worry about legends. That's a ways off. Uh, totally different game may not have the same problems, but I, yeah. I think the skepticism is warranted. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a little bit uh, the counter, not the counter. The thing to balance that out is that they're being kind of open, transparent, and it's also because it's open world. They're letting people see what it is. I think it's kind of a balancing act. It's like okay, this is authentic, this is real. It'll probably only get better, hopefully. And I think that's why they dared to release something that looked like that, 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 that early in development, uh-huh. supposedly. But you got to wonder, is this ever going to start actually hindering some kind of design ideas they have yeah, for their future games? And the more time goes on, the more realistic it's going to be. So, yeah, what is it going to be? Are we going to get a stopgap with the Switch Pro? I mean, every, I, I'm a firm believer that within the next 12 months, we'll be having a Switch Pro in our I sh- hands. I hope so. And I think it has to be... Before or at by the release of Legends, mm. that's like to me, that's the hard deadline for mm. a Switch Pro. Otherwise, they're like missing the window horribly for capitalizing on that. But you know what? I'll also I'll wrap this up on my thought on this, Ben. Mm. I will say that I hope Nintendo realizes now in today's age, if they want to go back into the visual war, they don't have to win it. They're like, who cares about winning it? But if they can even come close to parity with what Sony and Microsoft are offering, people will buy it. People will pay more for a Nintendo system. They will buy it. It will still, I met if Switch were 400 something dollars and looked close to like between PS4 and PS5, at least for every single game, I bet it would still be selling just out and selling as well. I don't think that's as much as a hurdle as they think it was. I, I don't even... I don't even feel like I need it to be at parity with the Series X or PS5. Uh, 
I just want to not have the fear of, oh shit, is this going to struggle on Switch? You know, like I, 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 on yeah. some level that, that always exists regardless of the platform that you're using, but I, I just feel like it is exacerbated on Switch because of how underpowered it is. And that that fear is is what bums me out. You know, I want to be able to to purchase a lot of these games, you know, especially well-known games that are being ported over or whatever and, and have confidence in what it is. I don't want to like be watching these directs and being like, yeah, I'm not, I'm fucking playing on Switch. It looks terrible. I my just don't fear, want that. My fear is that selling 20 million copies and such is not going to make them change their ways. Yeah, yeah you know? you're right. You're right. Uh, yeah, like they're, they're, saying, they're yeah. maximizing, yeah. they got to be maximizing profits. That's why if, if the world only knew video game budgets, like it'd be so fun to compare a big budget Microsoft exclusive or Sony exclusive to the price of a big budget Nintendo exclusive, you know? Uh-huh. If God of War and Last of Us can look that good, how much is that costing in, in comparison to this Pokemon effort? Yeah. You know, I would just love to see those numbers. Because then it's like, well, our... Microsoft and and Sony just like throwing a bunch of money and overpaying or is Nintendo just maximizing profits and not putting enough in? I think that's the thing. And, and you know, again, why I'm saying just I, they, they don't need to do it. I know they mm-hmm. don't need to do it. I just really want them to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's, totally. It's, same. Yeah. Yeah. Same. That's, I, yeah. High the, budget. Desire is, is, so, it. is so there. Yeah. It, it's yeah. so true. Yeah, because like, you know, you always see this has been flying around to lazy devs, lazy this, oh, lazy that's, that's, that. That's always the most and it's bullshit like thing ever. Such bullshit. To yeah. me, it just all comes down to, to time and money. I think some I some so companies people... have more time and more money. And it, also talent, it, of course, plays a role. There's a lot of money, though. I think that's why yeah. both the Pokemon company yeah. and Nintendo have a lot. When you are the number one media IP in the world, <laughs> bigger than Hello Kitty and Sanrio, like Sanrio's giant, yeah. you have a lot of money. So yeah. people, I think Pokemon series more than anything catches more of the flack because of that. Uh, right. and, and, you know, that's that, that's its own whole other beast. But yeah, you're absolutely you're like, you know, you're you're spot on with your stuff, honestly. Um, I just I just want to say, like, I it it is so infuriating to me that that people confuse not liking something with being lazy. Like, it is fine <laughs> yeah. if you don't like the direction of something or you don't agree yeah. with it. That doesn't automatically mean that because you don't like it, the people creating it are being lazy. It's it's, yeah. it's a little bit more complicated than that. Yeah. How exciting will it be the day we get to see a Nintendo video trailer that actually that says performance mode and fidelity <laughs> mode or something yes. <laughs> that day. Yes. Yes. 4K 60 frame fidelity mode. <laughs> yeah, right Freaking now I feel Zelda like with ray tracing, dude. Come on. We're in a like it works mode too many times, but Yeah. Um are we ready for some emails? Sure. Let's do it. All right. Uh, Our first email comes in from Michael. Uh, 
when the battle banter evades the subtitles. Really like this email. Hey, Ben and Allies, inspired by that amazing Smash trailer, I'm giving Xenoblade Chronicles 2 a second try. Uh, I got about 50 hours in before I just fell off playing it. It happens. Uh, one thing I'm committed to this time is Japanese voices, despite the fact that I'm missing the battle banter. Uh, what do you do when faced with this dilemma? Do you wish more games would subtitle the batter, battle banter side chats that seem to be ignored? Best uh, Persona 5 Strikers. I'm playing in Japanese, mm -hmm. and they are shouting at each other during the fights. I'll glance up once in a while. A lot of that stuff's throwaway. Heat yeah. of the moment. Heat of the battle. Um, uh, I will say there are, like, times where this could be better, where I do miss things. Recent example was is, is Yakuza. Uh, if you go into the do the movie theater mini game after you pass phase one ichiban says like full-on he's speaking in japanese and there's like no subtitle for it mm. so i'm like what is he saying like sometimes dialogue will just like not be subtitled that's when i start getting getting a little yeah it's funny because uh i i also played uh yakuza like a dragon and uh strikers in japanese and i feel like not that long ago like like know a year or two ago or something i was like oh man it really bums me out that i can't hear that stuff yeah. but i feel like i'm just so used to tuning it out anyway <laughs> yeah that it it bothers me way 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 less i totally understand where this email is coming from and i sympathize just like you know wanting to get everything or feeling like you're missing out mm -hmm. but i feel like even if it was subtitled like i've just i hear so much yeah. of it that i just probably wouldn't even notice it anyway mm-hmm yeah, I, well, I'm generally not the biggest fan of battle banter and stuff. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's too much. I get actually get frustrated at times when there is dialogue and, and especially if it's gonna be sub, even if it was subtitled. So now I gotta read it while I'm trying. To, <laughs> I I don't like that. Yeah, uh, I know, I know games that like lean into head heavily, and it's just not for me. There are there are very rare instances where the battle banter can be so ridiculous that it becomes a meme in and of itself. And Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is actually a perfect example of that. <laughs> Think you can take me, don't forget me. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. Ghost of Tsushima had another one that wasn't subtitled. Something with the horse, oh, I remember. Really? Yeah, he would always say something in Japanese to the horse, and it was like not subtitled. And I was like, mm. what, what did you say to the horse? Yeah, what are you saying? What are you saying? Um, our next email. I think that's that's interesting though, Ben. The like mm -hmm. something is lost there behind the scenes. Like, oh, okay, yeah. here's here's the script. You know, subtitle all this. Like the horse line or like the movie theater mini game maybe are not part of like the main right. script or but in it's some still other. Something that you're enjoying and yeah. kind of just want to know in the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's funny. I wonder. Our next email comes in from Rodrigo. Hi, Ben and Paddle. I'm not sure if this question will make it in time if Frame Trap is recorded, but I'm writing this right after watching your Persona 5 Strikers review. Uh, spoiler alert, you scored the game an 8 with a lot of praise, and more broadly, I get the feeling that Musou games follow a formula that reviewers in general usually put in the 7 to 8 range. Uh, even if the latest entries have pushed for innovation, I feel like the repetitiveness, repetitiveness and grind at the core of the game is what keeps tying it down. Personally, I tried out the Hyrule Warriors demo, and I was surprised by how weightless the combat felt, 
still decided to give the first Hyrule Warriors a try, and it's fun, but it gets old fast. So my question is, what would you see pushing a Musou game to the 9 or 10 range? What would make it truly exceptional, unforgettable, must-play experience recognized by everyone? How could Omega Force get out of the comfort zone and remove the grindy feeling from their game while it's still being a Musou? Thanks if you do pick my question. Curious to hear your thoughts on the matter. So I really... Love this question, uh, mm-hmm. and I, f- I feel like I have very intense feelings on it because I do enjoy Musou games, but I, I agree with kind of this whole assessment uh, that Rodrigo is putting forth. The problem time and time again, I feel like, is not that these games don't have good ideas. I think they a lot of times have great ideas, but they don't keep coming up with new ideas throughout or like the characters will be interesting or the the fundamental Mm -hmm. combat will be good, but the ways in which they're testing you to use that combat uh, is not, does not remain interesting through the entire length of the game. And Mm -hmm. so I I think they, they truly just need a greater variety of ideas throughout the span of the game or ways that, promote greater mastery for what you're doing i think a lot of the problem is that they put in all these cool mechanics and you don't really need to know them to the extent that maybe you would like to or or get better at to the point where it would make it more interesting and so i think i think that's one of the biggest things yeah it just comes down to stakes for me mm-hmm. it's it's the combination of what you said ben of, of not introducing new ideas enough but also just when you do something over and over, it just becomes more routine. Like every right. Musa game I do burn out on. Persona 5 is throwing a lot of story, which I like, dude. Mm-hmm. The less combat, the better, honestly. Because Musa's for me, it's just like, how many times can I mow down a thousand enemies? Like yeah. I, I enjoy Dynasty Warriors absolutely from time to time, but I do always reach a point where it just becomes too much. Yeah. You know, it, it just doesn't, it's not fun anymore being a god and just wiping out a million enemies by pushing square 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 it's you know it all it's always just square 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 triangle square 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 it's so funny you know and and strikers is so fresh in my mind because it it really does take so many things from persona that i think really benefit its variety a lot like even just the idea of having a stable of personas that you can switch between and and fusing and all that stuff i think that helps it like strikers is is almost there but then it's just like ah man there's just there's more here you could have done with the dungeons like they they just feel too samey in in between like you're you're almost there like what this hmm. what this email asker is 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 talking about is i feel like there's a glimmer of it in strikers like yeah. i i with a few changes here and there or like just a little bit more ambition uh in some of the the environments and and the objectives and that sort of thing are there you could i could see a nine out of ten here are there any roguelite muso games i feel like that'd be cool dude i have some like hades style muso dude i'm so hesitant to say no because like (laughs) maybe you could pull something up on steam i but not not to my knowledge yeah but yeah, cool. Huber, like snakes, right? Where like yeah. you do have all these. Yeah. Oh my god, that's like, so good like, because yeah. like I I really love how different characters can feel or how different weapons can feel for characters and like the 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 structure of a roguelike where like losing that 
yeah. the consequence of that and like choosing who you bring into battle because of the threat that they might go away. Totally. That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> Let's do it. So Let's good. do it. And maybe it already exists <laughs> and perhaps the audience can illuminate me on that. But uh, Let us know. That's a really good idea. It'd be fun. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if there's anything they can do with the strategy element because it always seems so limited mm. and ultimately not that important like in age of calamity send your other characters like go to the map point to a spot they'll run there and that's pretty much it like oh a stronghold's about to fall like i wonder because that is will run the risk of crossing over in too much into like a actual strategy game at that point and less of a muso and how how those love those each chapter level whatever takes so long already each battle can be like 30 minutes to an hour will that just make these like massive hours long campaigns just for a single battle i i, I don't yeah. think that's what they want to go for because i uh I, yeah i don't i i don't know I, I mean for me for age of calamity it would have been as simple as trimming the fat mm. if they just tightened it up it would have like elevated that game to at least like maybe a mid eight for me. Mm. It just, it just drags on both uh, in some points in the main story. And then what it offers once you beat the game is just like, this is so grindy. This is so grindy. It's like, I, I don't want this. Like, like, like I feel like the innovation needs to be like, you said stakes, like challenges, like coming up with like maybe goofy or crazy different ways to like utilize both like, skill plus traversal like like i don't know like almost mini gamey maybe or something i don't know anything yeah. that's not just like go fight this enemy 10 times again and like you need the parts from it to like forge a different weapon that now does the, it's like nah, I'm, it, I'm tired of that type of progression it's funny damiani and and maybe this will happen i guess with the age of calamity dlc but uh in the original highway warriors particularly like in post-game stuff I did feel the stress of strategy a little bit more where it's like, oh, I have to pay attention to like what's getting captured or like I have to do, I wasn't doing this quickly enough. And so I did feel like the strategy element played into a little bit more. I didn't feel it like at all. In yeah. <laughs> it's like um, you have so much time yeah. to do everything. And in you, there. you have so many more tools, like just like them telegraphing, like, oh, hey, like use a bomb here or you have the rods, right. To make them weaker and easier. I, which I like, I like that stuff, but I I didn't feel the stress kind of of the objectives, I guess, uh, as much. Yeah, the thing I did like the most were there were specific challenges once you beat the game. Um, they can only do so many of them where you are forced to fight a certain characters. Like certain characters are restricted, mm. so you're forced into matchups against like dual situations sure. where you must fight as a specific type mm -hmm. against a specific type. Sure. And if you've only been like, I've been used to these two or three characters, or even four characters, it's like, no, you're going to play as this character and you're going to play against this character or these sets of characters. I kind of like that challenge. Yeah. It can, because it helps reinforce the, the diversity of the, the combat styles, the character play styles, even if you haven't yourself jumped into them through the course of the main campaign. Mm. Um, our last email comes in from Doug. He says, similar genres. Uh, are there any games that you can think of that are comparable based on their design and mechanics, despite the general discourse and genre? I feel like sometimes game discussion 
can group certain games into a certain genre without actually considering their mechanics and design decisions. I'll always think about this when I'm really trying to figure out why I like a game and want to spend my time on it. To use my two examples, uh, Hitman and Outer Wilds both are focused on exploring <laughs> an area and finding intel or general knowledge and then repeating the area with your new information. The reward is discovering something on your own and feeling like you're succeeding when you, when you properly implemented your ideas. Uh, Immortals and Mario Odyssey both have the player exploring a large open area where you can go anywhere but are somewhat directed by minimal story. As the player discovers challenges, they use platforming or minor puzzle solving in the world uh, to obtain the reward, moons or currency. They, do, they mean Super Mario Odyssey. I thought they were saying assessed. Oh, Mario Odyssey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mario I was Odyssey. like, wait, there aren't they? <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Um, but I, yeah. but I like this. Like yeah. things that are that are more similar or or appeal to you, you know, despite being classified as as a, as a different genre. Um, I think this is good. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, honest, the yeah. I their last their latter example uh, is easier for me to discern. Um, Immortals is more spaced out. It's wider. It's more open mm. environment. Like it, that actually matters. It, it is more expansive. So the, the ex exploration is more, the moment to moment's more laid back. Like I'm slowly gliding. I'm taking in the scenery. And then when it comes to like, there's combat, the, there's more involved combat. And then like the puzzle solving is definitely more environmental with like using your unique abilities to trigger switches and stuff. It's not about like your, it's not just solely about your traversal skills. It's about your individual like power abilities, like your weapons, your power abilities, and your traversal. Whereas in Mario, it is definitely smaller scale. Moment to moment, you're doing more specific and precise movements mm. needed to navigate the immediate area. Is one is definitely more about platforming. One is literally more about jumping and using jump mechanics to reach your area where. Or where Immortals is about traversal mechanics, which is not just jumping. It's all your wide range of movement abilities. Mm -hmm. And there's definitely similar. I think these are very broad similarities. Like, mm -hmm. I, I guess, I don't, I don't mean, I don't mean to sound too harsh, but to me, they're very surface level similarities sure. that are being described there yeah. where when I feel the, when I think to the moment to moment things I'm doing it, they are night and day to me, immortals and odyssey. Yeah. Maybe I, that's the, maybe it's the immediate gameplay moment is what separates them so drastically. I don't think, I don't yeah. think it's meant to be like, Oh, this is actually the case. I think it's just kind of like a thought exercise oh, yeah. to try to be like, Oh, let's, let's try to maybe draw parallels here that people don't, commonly associate or 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 think about right so just try I, to like uh, expanding go ahead i i view th i respect the game worlds of immersive sims and survival horror games in a similar same way? way in a very okay. similar way why is that i i it's very grounded mm. you know when i play deus ex when i play resident evil i'm grounded in the world and thinking about the world as a as a space differently just like cataloging where everything is and and just existing in that world like my items that makes are perfect the, sense. the yeah. item management is kind of similar you know picking something up and it being a tool yeah that you can use and even even hmm. just like i i feel like in survival horror so much you have to be aware of the environment 
because you're trying to avoid something, right? Mm-hmm. And and in immersive, immersive sim, it's it's kind of a similar process where it's like I need to figure out what all my options are, and then based on my character, mm-hmm. use those options effectively. Like it's kind of a similar thing, like the environment yeah. being a tool. Yeah, I I think Huber, I think you knocked it out of the park. <laughs> I really do. Yes. I think that's good. Um, my example is far more tame, but uh, I think I think the reason why I I like Musou games so much and I, I get frustrated when they get written off is I think there's more depth there than people realize. And it's a similar sort of depth that I run into with like fighting games or more specifically character action games. Like part of the fun of Devil May Cry is getting new weapons, figuring out how it changes the characters, figuring out how like your new combos can be implemented into your battle routine. Like it's, it is definitely different in Musou games, right? But I think there are parallels you can draw. Um, but that's I guess that's not really fair because they're they're both, you know, in the action genre. But a yeah. comparison that I think of nonetheless. I streamed Fortnite with Sancho West like years ago when it was just blowing up. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yo, building is like a fighting game. Mm. It's just combos. I always I always hung on to that. That was like such a great way to to compare that. Cause it is. You're just you know you're doing your little your combo inputs yeah Yeah, it's like and and in in funny games you do the combo when you're presented the opportunity right like when you can punish and i i I see what you're saying within fortnite where it's like oh i'm being shot at like my brain immediately yep yep knock someone down like build around them yeah um Cool. I think that is going to do it for Frame Trap. Very much enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much, uh, panelists, Michael Damiani and Michael Huber. Really felt like you were engaged in the conversations. Uh, if you would like to send an email to Frame Trap, uh, the email address is askeasyallies at gmail.com. One more time, that is askeasyallies at gmail.com. Also in the description. Um, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, this, this That is primarily how we are funded is something that we rely on so go to patreon.com slash easy allies um, and consider supporting us until next time